When was the last time you ordered clothes online and got to try them on before paying for them? Never, right? Well, that's exactly what jackthreads.com does. You can try on anything at home for free, ladies and gentlemen. Then, then you only pay for what you keep. Whether it's a big name brand or the Jack Threads in-house line, you can be sure you are 100% in love with the items you ordered before spending a cent. Real quick, clear your head. Who's the most fashionable person on Kind of Funny? That's right. No, not you, Kevin. It's clearly Tim Gettys. Tim's using the service. He's like, don't say no, Kevin. Tim, he, uh, Tim orders jackets and stuff all the time offline, and he looks really good. Kevin, you wear free clothes. Choose anything you want, though, from jackthreads.com, and you can try it on at home for free. You'll have seven days to decide if it's working for you. Jack Threads gives you everything you need to send the things back, packing tape, and prepaid shipping labels, ladies and gentlemen. So go to jackthreads.com and enter the code GREGGY. When you submit your tryout for 20% off anything you keep, that's jackthreads.com, code Greggy, to save 20% on anything you keep. Never buy before you try ever again. Kevin, I've read a lot of ads. That's a really good sign-off line. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Game Over Greggy Show. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hey, that's me. That's you. How many hours of Hawken have you played? Oh, God. Countless at this point. I might be the number one Hawken player on the planet. I, I'm surprised this shirt survived as long as it survived. I'll be honest with you. I forgot we were filming something today. It's my most comfortable shirt. Yeah? Is, yeah. That, is that what it is? Which that's, I'm guessing... I'm surprised D hasn't put an end to it. it. It has made its way from the official you can wear this out to this is a workout slash uh, sleepy time shirt. Sure. Uh, but I just keep yanking it out of that fucking drawer and bringing it back to life. You know yeah. what I mean? Similar to probably what Dan did with that Terminator shirt. I've worn this quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Over all here. All circumstances, yes. The one and only Dan Riker. Thanks Hello, for stepping man. in. How are you guys? Yes. Nice to meet you. There's an election today as we film this, so Colin Moriarty's got to be all busy. Oh, is that what he's there. doing? Yeah, eating mayonnaise out of the jar, watching okay. in his boxers, right, watching his results come sheets. in. Well, I've yeah. heard numerous people say I actually resemble Colin, so maybe that'll work. No, it's true. So well, it's, like a it's definitely the thing. You're white, yeah, I got this, you're a dude. It's, de- it's definitely, uh, I think you established the look, and then Colin started gaining on it. Because for a while, he did do the neo-Nazi skinhead thing. Thing, then oh, he was okay. doing no beard. Then he added in the beard, and then it's when he's starting to look like you. Okay, I had the long hair stuff for a while. Yeah, but yeah. Then you had that full period. Bald. Yeah, you were full I bald did for a do while. Full bald. Very yes. intimidating. I did not like that. I was scared partially of it. for a wrestling character. Yeah. You know, but, uh, what a surprise yeah. in your life. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow this out for a bit until uh, I'm balder naturally, and then I'll probably just shave it forever. Sure. But, uh, sure. For sure, now, sure. I'll, I'll have a little bit of hair. Was that the scary moment for you? Because you 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 know people who are losing their hair are worried about going bald. Usually, you save the shave until there's there's nothing nothing there's no way to come back from it that's usually when you do it is that I, what's going on here well i shaved my head and then my wife was like you stop doing that oh okay yeah because i've been i've been slowly receding for probably since i was about 26 27 okay um i just embraced it now with you know i'm trying to do a bruce willis look from okay. circuit die hard one two all right works. fits with um, your toes but my wife brought up a good point she was like you've got hair it's not like it's gone it doesn't look bad just keep styling it until and i'm sure she will let me know when that day comes, when it's time to, to, to go with it. But I don't think I'd ever go bald. I would just go really short 
Still a little bit of a fan yeah, of the yeah, side. The Bruce Willis just thing. let it go. Yeah, just Bruce Willis, Willis was it. rarely ever just full skin. Well, until way later. Is, is that what he is now? He's is that now, default yeah. he's Willis pretty, now? He's pretty much like Vin Diesel out. Oh, okay. Like wow. the Rocked out. The Rock. The <laughs> I mean, rock you're following in like a very like like good lineage there, right? Sure. You've got yeah. The Rock. You've got Vin Diesel. You've I'd got, fuck all those guys. I would put myself between them and let them fuck me. Wow. Damn. The That's old Chinese finger trap they call yeah. it. The wobbly H. So yeah, so I mean, I'm not too worried about it. Plus, I'm I'm 36 now. I've made it through most of my life. Yeah, with hair, <laughs> I have 40. What the fuck am I trying to kid? You know yeah. what I mean? You got yeah. you're you're married. Doesn't matter. Doesn't you locked matter. it down. I'm hitting that shit at hey, least once a month. Greg, have you been seeing anyone? I haven't seen anything on social media about whether you're in a relationship or not. <laughs> God forbid someone be happy in this day and age. Oh no, no, congrats. That's a good thing. No, I love that. I love it when I put up an Instagram post of me and Jen and people are like, oh, I get it. You have a girl. I'm like, unfollow me, motherfucker. Life, this ain't for free. Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. are both great. Every time I bring up my fiance on the bombcast, I yeah, get yeah, comments. Yeah. She's like, oh, Dan can't go two seconds. Exactly. Like, no, no, congrats congrats on everything. And by the way, I, I don't have her number, so this will have to act. You made fantastic brownies. Yes. She, he brought some peanut butter Oreo brownies you made, and they were phenomenal out of this world. She does great work. Yeah. Yes. Over there, the pure one, Tim Gettys. Yeah, it's like me and Kevin on social media. Everyone's like, oh, you can't go two seconds without talking about Kevin. It's very true, actually. He's just with me all the time. It's what we do. He We're is your shadow. He is. I saw him propose at your, your big live show, and yeah. that was a touching moment. Am I allowed <laughs> to tell a lunch story? Yeah. I love you have to tell the lunch oh, story we're going now. To lunch. All right, we go to this place called Jalapeno, which actually is really, really good. Really good burritos. That's beside the point. As we're walking toward Tim's car, Tim hands the keys to Kevin. Kevin and they and they switch off and Kevin gets in the driver's seat. I'm like, what's going on here? And Tim just says, I don't like to park. Have you never noticed this before? This yeah, is this an this ongoing thing. How is this, 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 this the first time? Every it, time I've been in your car, you, you've driven. I mean, it's yeah. a weird thing where he'll let Tim will let Kevin park it wherever they're going, but then Tim will drive back Tim and park around back. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is this a street parking thing you don't like? I just don't, yeah. I don't like, I don't like. It's rough. To be completely honest. Please do. I don't like parking. Like, I'm going to be real about that. No one does, really. I will park. I'm able to park. I'm down for parking. I am not down for parking when Kevin is in the passenger seat, which is all the time. Oh, where he's like nickel and diving Yelling at me, giving me so much. No, stop. Just go back. Just I'm like, dude. It, I just can't even do it. Here's what Tim does, though. Lay it on me, Kev. He'll, he'll go to park at a spot, and he'll be like, ah, fuck, I missed it. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then he goes all the way around the block and then tries to hit it again. Oh, he's got to get on an approach. Yeah. He's like an aircraft trying to land. Yeah. And then the last second he pulls up, he's like, that hey, is, no. Tim, it's, that's completely no, true. That's, 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 that's completely true. It's no. half true. How many times have you gone around my mom's house? Because that corner street... You were just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't get it right. To be fair, whenever I'm around his mom's house, I'm trying to stall as long as possible to see if he's maybe lying. he changes his mind. Yeah, he's for me to lying. Not have to go in. All right, wait, hold on. The only time he ever goes into my mom's house is when I trick him, and I'm like, you can't stay in my car. Let's go upstairs. So that story is clearly a lie. I don't know what that means, but I don't like parking. I don't like <laughs> I don't driving like with Kevin. Sure, and that's just pretty much my life in a in a nutshell. But Nick, before we move on to the the whole rigmarole and stuff, I noticed you're not folding up the sleeves. Oh, not on the Hawking shirt. This shirt's too soft. It, it doesn't have the consistency he's doing this, anymore. He's doing this thing lately where he he rolls it up there like a like little bit. Like to put cigarettes in there? Yeah. Like, yeah, I've never seen to, anyone just roll up a t-shirt. It's it, like, a thing. It's, 20, right it's a 2016 above, right thing. The, uh, the hem. The, the, the hem. The, the, the thing is also, though, I haven't manscaped in a while, and so there's a little bit of the Wolverine that's starting to peek out, mm. and I'm wondering that. No, I You're manscaping the bicep. You show the arms? I got. Well, I mean, I have. If you see here, you see how the hair just kind of keeps. There's like... 
It's it's everywhere. Right. Really. Right. There's not one part of my body that can't be connected. Huh. It's like um, Pangea. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Like it, they've started. It started to spread out a little bit, but you can still walk from Russia all the way to Mexico if you want. That makes sense. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, you got to get that. You got to hit that tricep because you can see right here. Like you can see where the fine hair starts to get into the. The bristly hair there. Right. That's got to go. Oh, here, Kevin's bringing, in, Kevin's bringing That's in the digital smooth. zoom. Oh, yeah. Here we go. That adds enhance. <laughs> enhance. Okay, for me, the digital zoom just scales it so I look like a jumbled mess of pixels right now. Uh, <laughs> um... The fuck are we talking about? I've got You're I've got the full mat up front and then nothing on the back. Oh, I've, I've got, got just all, tons, just a rug. I've got patchy Austin wings. Powers thing here. Patchy wings on the back. Patchy yeah, yeah. wings? Yeah, is wing. that like the shoulders? Or? Yeah, like up here I got these weird patches. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Greg's back looks like someone started the wax job and okay. then it was too painful. I'm tired. And he just he just they left. died. Okay. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> I was almost complete and they just died in the middle of the wax job. Yeah. I just have the third nipple. That, really? that is actually true. Yes. Let's see it. You want to see it? Yeah. Right. It's very tiny. You might need a. You got a digital. Get zoom the for digital this? zoom ready right. on the main cam. All right, here we go. My grandpa has this too. This is beautiful. All right, so we got oh, you got wow. one there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's one. Yeah. yeah. You got one there. Oh. And then we got to bring it in. Bring it in right down right there. there. Whoa. Wait, what? Are you, what oh. Wait, what? Oh. Why are you? Oh no, Kev. This is me. Hi. This is a tragedy, Kevin. I'm not his third. Hold on. Right here. You're gonna have to zoom in. It's tiny. He's doing his best. Tiny one. Don't freak out. Hold on. Don't freak out. At this point, we could have just moved you closer. Here to we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Enhance. Enhance. Jeez, look at that blurry ass <laughs> zoom. We get. Yeah. Yeah. Focus enough to see the nub. Otherwise, you don't know it's a nipple. It could just be a mole. Yeah, he can't focus. If there's a nub. Greg, can you confirm there's a nub here? Yeah, I can see the nub. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a okay, full on right. nub there. It, it looks is. like Porty's nipples. Oh, okay. It does. All right. <laughs> have, you th have you considered maybe your part dog? Uh, sure, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. I like most of the same thing. That's right. <laughs> Eating and naps. And, yeah. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Game Over Greggy Show each and every week. Four, sometimes five, best friends gather around this table. What Kevin, are you, you fucking doing, Kevin? You ruined it. How many times do you want to cut around? What do you do? He's uh, Kevin, we right, gave him too no. many switches and gizmos guys, and gadgets. Uh, guys, I'm going to be honest. It's a bad day. <laughs> I keep placing my hand in the wrong place. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. Is the new studio too much for him? No, he just oh, yeah. Yeah. no. We just overload him with work, and then okay. for some reason, he, in the we told him a thousand times in the intro, don't cut, and then right there, he did three cuts. I was Goodness. To, I was I was getting <laughs> prepping the preview so that I could switch, it, but my hand was not on the preview. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do something new. All right. Not on the preview. We're gonna we're gonna restart. All right. Not the whole show. Just this part. This is how we're gonna do it from now on. All right. <laughs> All right, Kevin, hands against the wall. <laughs> Get up and put your hands on the wall. Kevin, go put your Take hands your on the wall. Off. Hands on the wall. Take your the pants headphones. down. Kevin, careful the headphones. Good job. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Game Over Greggy Show each and every week. Four, sometimes five. Best friends gather on this table, each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. How is he? God damn it. Oh, God, I, I thought he was making a jack off motion. He, I didn't no. know he got the phone out to he's, switch cams. Switch your phone, phone can do that? God. Kevin can control. What kind of spaceship is this place? <laughs> <laughs> on the Kevin can control everything in this place from his phone. It's oh tricky. my god! You're gonna lock the doors. Gonna lock yeah. me, and I'm not gonna be able to get out, and the cops are gonna come. Jesus, <laughs> I'm uh, You can go to Patreon.com/slash kind of funny. Get every episode early if you have it. The money you can get perks and goodies and all that good stuff. Exclusive episodes. It's great. I'm about to interview Tim's brother for an exclusive. Oh I'm very god. excited about that it. That is gonna be cool, Greg. 
awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're Can we awesome. call him Cool Greg? That's we already did, did that. that. That happened on Extra is that Life. A thing? Yeah, He's not Cool, cool Greg. Greg. Is a thing. That's What's how your brother Greg? do. Uh, my brother does nothing. Okay. So uh, right now he guts fish hunting. Yeah, cool. that's a new job. Fish hunting today. No, is guts his first day. Oh, guts fish. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's gross. I've, I've done yeah. that a couple times. It's yeah, gross. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to hear his stories from him when I interview him for the exclusive episode. You'll be able to get on Patreon.com/slash/kindoffunny. If you have no bucks to toss our way, no big deal. Head to YouTube.com/slash/kindoffunny where we post the entire show, topic by topic, day by day, until it goes up as one big video and MP3 the following Friday. Now, Dan Riker. Yes, Greg. You're here for a number of reasons. Yes. Number one, we love you. Oh, thank We've you. We've pointed that out. I love you guys. Number too. two, we think you're funny. Thank you. Number three, you're leaving us eventually. I am. You're going to New York, which like I'm not a fan of. Boo, indeed. So? Boo have you been to New York? I have been. It's great. New York's yeah, it's great. all right. Yeah, it's I good like to visit. It it's expensive. Oh, says San Francisco. It's ex- <laughs> anyway. No, you're right. You it's nailed less me on that. Expensive you nailed New York. Me. I'm looking at places nah, in Manhattan. Not that much. I'm looking at places in Manhattan that are less expensive than here in the sunset of San Francisco. Yeah. And, and I have had a good time. I, I know I shit on San Francisco plenty and sure. on Twitter and stuff. But it's been two and a half years, and I've really enjoyed uh, a lot of the city, a lot of the people. Uh, it's been great, obviously, working with Giant Bomb out here, and I'm lucky enough for them to have a office out east. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I am staying with Giant Bomb, going east. It should be great. I enjoy that you you duped Tim Turry into moving out here. Like we'll be best friends again, and you just dumped them. He gives me <laughs> shit for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the <laughs> other the other reason you're here is that you are putting out a new book. Yes. The dumbest kid in gifted class. Yes, it actually uh, was officially released about an hour before I got here. Oh, my oh God. no! I've been wow. Waiting for the Amazon store page to go up, so it actually just went up. So as of right now, it is on sale. All right, so that means, of course, the link is in the description, Kevin. Oh. And maybe we're putting up a short link like that says kindoffunny.com slash Dan's book. Oh, there you go. And that'll take you. you right to the Amazon page to get it yourself. Hey, there's your name on the back of the hey, book. Hey, I wrote a little blurb on the back. Yeah, you did. I, I, want, to, I want to read the back. Sure. Yeah, go for if it. If I may. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. What's this book all about, Tim? Well, cause so here's the, here's the thing. Uh, about, I would say, maybe a little over a year ago. No, fuck, maybe two years ago. I met you for the first time. At the Smash Brothers at thing? At the Smash Brothers yeah, thing. Yeah, at I realized, his place. Yes, I yeah. realized we're best friends. And you are awesome. And you are... A fellow Nintendo kin- guy. Kin- yeah, we're kindred yeah. spirits Switch. in a lot of ways. So, and I, in addition to that, you then came on Gamescast and you just blew me away with your accomplishments in life. You were just one of those dudes that has so much random facts about him where you're like, he's fascinating as all hell. Then you read the back of this book and you're like, it just reaffirms my love for you. Oh, Let, let's go through this. Thank you. Okay. Since 2009, Dan Record's life has been well documented. Whether through his writing, live appearances, tweets, or thousands of hours of video and podcast appearances, his work has been seen by many. He set two Guinness World Records, earned the ire of legendary baseball players, penned two novels about an alligator fighter pilot, raised thousands for charity via custom Super Mario Bros. levels, and works a side job as a professional wrestling manager. These are the stories that people already know. Before jumping headfirst in the public eye, Reichert's history was just as unique. He's been a Catholic schoolboy and an insufferable movie theater employee. He's befriended the insane and almost been stabbed. Time and time again, he's taken long shots that have inexplicably played off in ridiculous ways. Dan Reichert's history of unlikely events didn't start in 2009. They were happening for 25 years prior to that, and the details can be found in The Dubbest Kid in Gifted Class. And then Greg writes... Dan is like the Dos Equis man. He's interesting. Has unbelievable I didn't stories. Write that. That's not me. That's oh, the no, other no, That's no. Nikki Glazer. No, okay. but that's, I'll read that quote because it's really funny too. No, no <laughs> reason to really compare it to my quote then. Nikki did a much better job. Dying cirrhosis. That's from Nikki Glazer. He's a celebrity friend. Glasser. Dan Riker pens an incredibly entertaining, cringe-inducing, heartwarming tale of growing up in the dumbest kid in gifted class, and I'm better for having read it. Greg Miller. Yeah. Kind of funny. Yeah. Thank you so much for the blurb. Oh, no really problem. Please, no. Well, you know how much, I mean, I legitimately like your stuff. Like I, I and that's, like I yours. mean, we're going to talk a lot about you here. Okay. But it's, uh, it's, it, I'm pretty shy. So I know, uh, yeah, I know, but I mean, well, the thing about it that cracks me up is that you and I 
have we've we've come together but we led parallel lives where we were doing very similar things just not knowing the other existed yes you went to university of kansas to get a journalism degree to go write about video games not a journalism degree i actually never took a journalism class. i thought you did not at all no okay Uh, what were you going there for then uh film studies because that was the easiest sounding major uh but i still skipped all of those classes okay okay i don't know really anything about movies uh or anything else i was supposed to learn in college i kind of skipped everything gotcha Uh, and i spent all my time in college reviewing video games for local paper Mm, because i knew that's where i wanted to go so i spent all my time with video games gotcha and so i'm doing that in columbia and blah blah blah. we you go to game informer i go to ign we both switch around end up going our different ways but still come together in the end find out about each other turn out we're best friends you love wrestling i love wrestling Mm -hmm. some of your stories in the back there and i remember when I graduated college writing down an outline for a book that I was going to call I was a blue haired antler and it was going to be all my stories of like all the stupid shit I had done growing up and going through college and stuff and of course I never did (laughs) and here you are with your book not to mention the books you've done before this well you forget one uh, one part of our weird parallel histories in that we were both going after the same Mm. exact position and probably about 2005 IGN PlayStation team had an opening. Yeah. And Jeremy Dunham was the one in charge of yep. hiring for that. I did phone interviews for them. Uh, I went through a couple rounds of that. And we found out right when I moved out here, we went to that APW show, yeah. that you were also, I think that was the one you got hired for. Right. So that would have been, for me, we would have been going at it in 2006 and then got the job in 2007. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we were applying for the same job from a state away. Yeah. And uh, you wound up getting it. It worked out fine for both of yeah, us. Exactly. So, it all got yeah. there in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so weird that, like, I mean, every, you meet anybody in the video game industry, mm-hmm. and not Nick, obviously. But and you also, meet anybody like Tim, and you're like, oh, man, we are so similar, and we have all these similar, but, like, how closely related we were. I even rooted for Mizzou whenever they came and played uh, KU. I like that. Because, no, that's uh, why we can be friends. People were very obnoxious at KU about the Jayhawks. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, just to kind of piss them off and kind of play the heel. Yeah. In the early days of Facebook, I would always change my profile picture to the Mizzou Tiger. Right. Uh, and I would actually be threatened uh, to, to get my ass kicked. Oh, sure, yeah, because of that. Yeah, they yeah. took that very seriously. Well, you know, it only took four years while I was there, but we finally got him in the end. <laughs> you did. I was at that game. Beat him once. Cried my eyes out. Saw that game. <laughs> uh, so anyways, what I, I want to know everything. Was, do, uh, this book, what years are we covering? So this is as early as maybe the age of nine. We're talking about early Catholic school stuff, uh, all the way up to kind of mid-college, so maybe like... 23, okay. I'd say. Uh, th- there's one that kind of stretches from like me working at a Funko Land to me shooting this commercial when I was 18 at Game Informer's headquarters as part of this big ruse to get hired by them that worked. And uh, so it does kind of follow through <laughs> to like me going to E3 every year and harassing Andy McNamara until he hired me. Um, that's the one chapter that kind of spans a lot because that yeah. goes from like 16 to me shooting this commercial at 18 to me getting hired at 25. What's the commercial all about? So what happened uh, was my whole life, all I wanted to do was work in, in gaming journalism, specifically Game Informer. Yeah. So I subscribed when I was nine. I love Game Informer. And I would look at the Meet the Editor section and be like, these are a grown-ass men, and it's their job to play video games at work. Like, mm-hmm. I need to focus every element of my life towards making this happen. So I worked at a Funko Land, and they would have those videos, the VHS tapes they would send every mm-hmm. month. And they would never advertise Game Informer. So I called corporate, corporate headquarters, and said, hey... I'm 18. I do a lot of video production work in high school. I would shoot a commercial for you guys for free if you'll just fly me up to Minneapolis and, you know, I'll shoot it up there. And they said, well, actually, we, we need... I, I go into a lot more detail on this in the book. But this of is course. The, well, we want you to read it by the book, of course. This, this is the broad strokes. They said, well, actually, we have to pay you. You know, legally, we can't have you do it for free. <laughs> so they sent me 2500 bucks at 18. This is pre-YouTube, so I couldn't even, like... They didn't ask for a reel or a DVD or anything. <laughs> So there was like, whatever, 2500 bucks. here's plane tickets, here's your own suite at a hotel in Minneapolis. They sent me up there. I spent a week 
at Game Informer shooting this commercial. It was a Metal Gear Solid parody. It was like one of their editors dressed up as Solid Snake, which they gave me a uh, prop budget too. And so I bought a Solid Snake suit. And so the whole script was like Solid Snake is sneaking into the Game Informer headquarters to get the magazine early, but then it, he gets kicked out and it cuts to me and my Funko Land stuff saying, oh, there's an easier way to get Game Informer. Just subscribe, get the card thing and bleh. And uh, so I got paid for that. I got to know the guys. And then I started reviewing games and going out to E3 every year. And since they already knew me, I'd be like, Andy, remember I was the, well, okay. I was the shark suit kid, which I have to explain. So they, in addition to giving me all this money and everything, they gave me a daily allowance for food, cabs, whatever. But they didn't say it had to be spent on food and cabs and stuff. So we went to the Mall of America, since we weren't old enough to drink, and that's the only thing to do in Minneapolis back then. Uh, And we went to a Halloween store, and there was a giant, like, mascot shark suit, which I thought just was hilarious. And I was like, well, I wouldn't buy this with my own money, but they gave me $200 a day. But I have per diem. And they they said, like, (laughs) yeah, the Game Informer guys already got me lunch, and they told me, like, I could spend it on whatever, 200 bucks a day. And so I bought this shark suit, and throughout the week, I'm just running around the office in the shark suit. And they even put me in that GI spy section of the magazine where uh, they were reviewing the Aquaman game for uh, Xbox. So if you find the Jade Empire issue of Game Informer, you will flip to GI Spy, and there's an 18-year-old me in a shark suit seven years before I get hired playing Aquaman. And so every single year at E3, I'd say, Andy, I'm the shark suit kid. I'm the shark suit kid. To the point where he was just like, yeah, yeah, I know the shark suit kid. Yeah, you want a job? Yeah, we're not hiring right now. And I just did this every single year until he hired me. <laughs> Is that how it happened at E3 one year they were hiring? It was 2009. They were leaving uh, Club Nokia. It was the Nintendo presser. And I saw like the whole GI crew walking out. And Andy like stopped to talk to someone. I didn't want to harass him too much. And so I, I waited till that conversation was done. I walked up. I was like, hey, shark suit kid. And he was like, okay, actually, we, we might have some openings here. You know, we're redesigning the website and stuff. So let's be in touch. And then a couple months later, I was packing my stuff up and moving up to Minneapolis. Awesome. Now, there's something I don't. Th- I don't think it's a story Tim knows, and then I don't know if it's a story you would know about Tim. But there's something because I th- I feel like you know the Catholic school thing. The the we wanted to write for magazines about video games. We did everything. We, you know we're right there together. Yeah, yeah. But I, I it's a question. Kevin, pay attention to the time code because I'm not sure if you ever talk about this one on on air. So if we have to edit it out, you let me know. Okay. Can I tell the George Brett story? Ha! Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> like, viral videos are an interesting thing. And there's so many that you see and you never think about again. What, the one I always go back to, right, is the one. Did you ever see this one of this kid? Uh, it was a talent show, and he was doing the live-action Mario Brothers, where like he oh, yeah, comes out yeah. and hypes up the crowd, and they this go crazy. It's pretty old, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it goes boop, and he does the whole thing. Blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm at IGN one day. Tim's been working there for months, and it's revealed he fucking made that video. Really? He's Mario oh, on stage. Mario, this was in the montage during Kind of Funny Live, wasn't it? I yes, feel like was. I saw yes, some clip of you doing yes. that, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. I never, and so, like, that was, that blew my mind. Jumped to, I forget what party we're at, <laughs> and somehow you stumble into telling me you're the guy who put up the Kansas City Royals George Brett video. And mm-hmm. are you, I know you're not a baseball guy, no. but I guarantee <laughs> you've run into this video. Yeah, I'm not a sports guy either. I just knew the momentous, uh, like, how big this video was. Right. George Brett. One of the most, maybe the most famous Kansas City Royal. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's the one. You go there, there's roads named after this man. He's this he, icon. He's royalty in Kansas City. Out of nowhere one day, this video came up on the internet. On the U- I don't, Was it even YouTube back then? I don't even it, know what it was. It was YouTube. It was, this was a 2000... 2000- 100%. Oh, actually, yeah, it, it did go on the uh, front page of E-Bombs when that was still kind of a thing. Cool. But the original <laughs> upload was YouTube. This would have been 08, 09 or so. So explain this to Tim what it is and how you found it. So the George Brett video is, uh, 
when I first graduated college, I knew I wanted to work in TV or, you know, the, the main thing was video game journalism, but there are so few full-time positions. You know, I would apply at IGN or GameSpot or Game Informer or whatever, and, you know, it's not that easy to get yeah. a job doing this. And so I was like, well, okay, I'll just try to do some work in TV or production. So there's a sports-based TV uh, station in Kansas City called Metro Sports. And I don't give a shit about sports. I never really have. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? It's, it's a control room. It's editing. I was doing sound and graphics and all this stuff. It's, you know, important stuff to learn. Yeah. And um, as soon as I started, I was pulled into this room by this producer. And he's like, all right, hey, you work here now. You got to see this. Here's a DVD for you. And I watched it. It is a three-ish minute clip of George Brett at spring training because he's, you know, old, retired. But he goes down to spring training in Arizona or whatever, and he was mic'd up. We were, doing, we were shooting a thing down there. And he goes into this extremely long, extremely detailed story about being at the Bellagio in Las Vegas and shitting his pants tremendously. <laughs> like, feces rolling down his leg, dripping out the bottom of his pant leg. This, like, like fucking god of baseball in it, Kansas it, it, City. It's, it's, hey, we're all human. It's amazing. He's talking Vegas. about how, how tight his, his sphincter is clenched. He's, he, I woke up in the morning, next morning, took the most perfect double-tapered shit I've ever taken in my life. And then he just cuts right to, who's the pitchers in this game? And the best thing like, is, the guy he's telling the story to is like throwing the ball totally, like, just shut the fuck up. Yeah. I don't care about this. Stop talking to me about this. It's these young guys that probably grew up idolizing George Brett and now he's just this weird old man following them around the diamond just talking about, oh, let me, I'm good twice a year for shitting my pants. When was the last time you shit your pants? And they're just like, what the fuck? They're clearly trying to get away from yeah. George Brett. <laughs> from George Brett. Yeah. <laughs> and so I put that up and it, I, I expected it to get kind of big in the Kansas City sports scene. I did not expect it to blow up the way it did, where it's like instantly front page of E-Bombs World, millions and millions of hits. And like it kept getting pulled down, like, you know, like cockroaches yeah. trying to stamp it out, but YouTube cl clips like this keep popping up. The internet always wins. Yeah. And uh, I the was trying- The sand effect, I believe they call it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was trying to kind of stay low key because I'm like, shit, I might get in trouble for this. Like, I, they said in the paper, so this was in the paper like almost every day in the Kansas City Star, <laughs> like Metro Sports employee, whatever, says, yes, we have a pretty good idea who it is and we're going to pursue this to the fullest extent of the law. And I was like, holy shit, what have I done here? <laughs> and so eventually the TMZ TV show, I still have this clip on my oh phone, my uh, the TMZ TV show does a story, it, it's a brief one, it's like a minute and a half, of you know, when they're all sitting around drinking their things, like, yeah, so I guess there's a manhunt for this guy leaking the George Brett poop pants video and like, they, they use the word manhunt. And so every day I'm going to work. At this point, I'd quit Metro Sports when I, when I uploaded yeah. it. I'm working at Garmin, the GPS company. And every day I'm just reading the Kansas City Star every morning and waking up to all these texts like, oh, man, they're coming after you. Like, they know it's you or whatever. <laughs> and then sure enough, I get, a, uh, I get an overnight FedEx to my house eventually from uh, someone at Time Warner, some like high-ranking executive at Time Warner. Saying, Ted Turner. Yeah. <laughs> saying, uh, Mr. Reichert, uh, you know, we, we know it's you. We, we know that you're the one who leaked this, and uh, we need you to, like, destroy all the tapes, and we need to talk to you or whatever. And so I had to get on the phone with this executive. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It was me. I, I own up to it. It was an immature thing to do. I just thought it was really funny. And the executive goes, now, Dan, no one is denying that it's funny. <laughs> like, no one can watch that video and be like, yeah. oh, no, no, that's not funny. <laughs> this man talking about pooping his pants. Um, but, yeah, nothing ever came out of it, really. I think probably they just didn't want it to get in the public eye sure. anymore yeah. and any kind of like protracted legal proceedings or something would just make it but, but like in the paper that year this was a little bit before Halloween like the Kansas City Star had like a hey here's some fun local Halloween outfits and one of them was just a George Brett uniform and just put some pudding on the back it was chocolate pudding like everyone in Kansas City was talking did about did George Brett ever respond to it did he ever say anything publicly uh I don't think he did 
No, I don't think he ever directly addressed it. There, it was talked about that I would do some community service work for one of his charities or yeah. something. Uh, and you didn't do but that. But no, nothing ever like came up. I said I would do it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I mean, yeah, if that's what we want to do and all parties are happy or whatever, yeah, I'll do yeah. it. Never happened or anything. But, but the like, thing, here's the thing. George Brett is a monumental asshole. Like, he has a long history of being a dickhead. Talk to anyone in Kansas City, you know, over the age of 35, 40, and they will have a, like, oh, George Brett was a dickhead to me in a 7-Eleven or whatever. Like, he sucks. Um, so I didn't feel bad about sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But at any point, did you did you speak with a lawyer and say, hey, do they actually have any grounds I, for this? Or is it just I talked be... to lawyers, yes. Yeah. And, uh, because you didn't like... acquire the tape illegally. And no, he knew and... he was being filmed because he was mic'd up. So... Right, so he was mic'd up. He knew he was being filmed. And also the way they painted it in the papers, like in Kansas City Star, where they're like, oh, the, somebody broke in and stole this from our vault. Somebody, you know, like, oh, you like, right. made it sound like I stole it. It was a heist. Yeah, but like, it was I'm here for the like, George Brett B-roll. Yeah, <laughs> but it was literally me getting a job and a producer going like, you should want this. And I did, which there was, actually, I've never said this before. Here's your exclusive. Oh, here we go. There was a second video on that uh, on that DVD. No, was it Donald Trump? Was it snuff? No, no. Pussy? George, Brett, uh, George Brett grabbed by the pussy. 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 <laughs> I'll say this. It, it was not a notable public figure, but it is a hilarious video uh if you would like to ever see it uh, privately or anything i can certainly <laughs> show it it's still i probably have it on a drive somewhere we'd probably pull it up after Let's the show put or it something on our channel it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought about doing it oh my god that's, that's awesome yeah wow so when you because it's like that thing like when he told me about it, he was Mario I was like holy fuck and then when yeah. you told me that I'm like I know that clip so well yeah because like I you know I went to school at Mizzou with so many Royals fans and I think it was the same thing of like oh, have you ever seen this video oh you got to see this video yeah just yeah. watching George Brett talk about fucking shit it's, a, his it's a really weird thing though when you meet those people that have made those videos like that in some small way like touched your life mm. like I so I remember <laughs> um I think it was the the Cake Town video did you remember that it was like a it was a spoof that. They did it was a uh, the three hundred trailer, but it was instead of this is this is Sparta, they would say this is Cake Town and all the swords and all the weapons were replaced with pastries. No, I didn't see this. Uh, yeah, it turns out I think Aransky made that. And I oh, fucking yeah. loved that. I watched that clip, I shit you not like fifty or sixty times. Sure. Eric and I used to watch it all the time. And then meeting Aransky, I'm like, that's what? Where did that come from? You're that, I mean, Mike Aransky, he's one of those dudes where it's just like the amount of videos he had some hand in that I'm like that was huge. Yeah, that was huge. Everyone in the fucking world saw that thing, and now he's just this motherfucker at IGN that's just like, oh, I wear funny well, hats. I got a kid. I don't sold wear hats out. anymore because yeah, I got too out. hot and almost died. Yeah. That's fair. It's a true story. It's true. He overheated <laughs> his head. So damn my <laughs> hat. Yeah. Okay. The real question for me, for you, is this. Uh, were you going for a Run DMC look with with the cover photo, or was that like, like where did your the inspiration for that, oh, that picture go? Actually, you're wearing like dope ass sweatpants. No, uh, there's nothing dope ass about this. These are my <laughs> grandpa's painting pants and uh, fishing hat, and I think my grandmother's glasses. Uh, actually, this picture specifically uh, has a part in the book in which I. I used to prank uh, my family relentlessly, like just crazy, elaborate, pain in the ass pranks. And uh, I detail all those uh, in one of the early chapters. And my mom got me back because I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. And uh, I was in school and I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, she's dealing with all those pranks. I did all that stuff at the house. Like, oh, she's probably finding the stink bombs and all this dumb stuff now. Damn, Uh, you were going all out stink bombs. Oh, it 
Yeah, it was worse than that. Um, what I did not Live know... Live snakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I did not know was she was actually at the school while I was in this class, and she had found all the most embarrassing photos of, you know, when I was a kid. Like, I had to do some, like, Christmas program with, like, a glittery green vest, like, doing this dumb pose, and, you know, me in the tub or whatever, or this picture of me. And so I walk out of class, and I'm walking to my oh. locker, and I saw all these people gathered around my locker, and I'm like, what's going on here? Because, like, I was completely antisocial. I did not talk to anyone. I, I was very nervous around people and I was like why are all these people by my, my locker I don't like this at all and I got up and somebody like looked at me like one of the like football players and was like hey looking good Reichert and I was like what's going on here like and I walked up and they were all plastered all over my locker like all these super embarrassing photos so I take them all down and I think I'm in the clear I get home and she has emptied out my savings account uh, which I think was about 500 bucks at the time. Big and money she, when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's like, that's console money. Yeah, right oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she had broken it all down into pennies and nickels and put it all over my entire bedroom floor. Wow. I love your mom. She's great. Oh my God. So I spent a good week. I had to go buy a coin rolling machine. <laughs> And I'm sitting on my floor just like, oh, damn it, all right. So then that's when I stopped fucking with my mom and moved on to my dad because he's way too lazy to prank me back. Damn. So did your mom at any point think, I should be the better person here. I should be the adult and like turn the other cheek because potentially doing this to my son at this young, impressionable age may forever change him it, and maybe, I don't know, put him on the path to being a serial killer. It was deserved. And specifically this year, it was deserved because I, it was before my pranks were even like clever. I just kind of mm. fucked up the house every year. For You're just an asshole. The old, the old yeah. jackass maneuver. Basically. Yeah. So like, I remember I would just get up really early and just do as much random crap as I could to the house. And one of them, I grabbed a bunch of bananas and I threw it in the oven and like not, I didn't turn it on. Oh God. Okay. But my idea was like, oh, she'll open up the oven and there'll be bananas there. And isn't that random? Lol. You know, like that's not a joke. That's not a prank. That's just bananas in the oven. But I didn't realize that of course you, you preheat, preheat an oven. oven. Yeah. So she went to go make a pizza. <laughs> she went to go make a pizza. <laughs> And she preheated it, and the uh, oh, by the time no. she got to it, oh, banana stench was just all over the entire house. She opens it up, and it's just this sludge dripping down, and there's still residue on the oven floor that she couldn't scrape up. Sure. And, like, there were stink bombs I set off in the house that day, and the bananas were strong enough to, like, overcome the stink bomb stench. Uh, so that was the time she was like, all right, fuck him, and, like, got those glasses, and, <laughs> or got those pictures, wow. and went to Well, you're uh, lucky school. she chose retribution in the form of, like, you know, her brain. Because oh, my mom yeah. would have fucked me up if oh, I did yeah. that. Oh my god, physical abuse. The Elena close... Scarpino special. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I. Uh, it also goes over one I did with my dad, and he responded by taking all my 360 games. I was home for winter break, and he was throwing them on the roof. And so uh, that, that's about as far as he went as far as retaliation. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Damn. Oh that's my brutal. god. This is fantastic. <sighs> Everything yeah. about this is so exciting. <laughs> what I want to know though is. How does how do the books start for you? Because Air Force Gator, I remember yeah. when Air Force Gator originally happened, and it was I didn't know you well, right? And I think Twitter still wasn't even really a thing, but people were talking about it in this weird tangential social media, maybe weird, in comments like, somewhere, game industry stuff or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is that the first? And is that like that was the first book? And I'm so glad that I kind of learned how to do these uh, these books with these early ones, you know, before I had kind of the following stuff now. Because like now that I have a following, I can actually put out a book that I take very seriously yeah. and I put a lot of time into. Air Force Gator is a dumb joke. It's an end joke. Like, it was fun writing it. I'm glad I put it out. Um, but they were silly jokes, you know. There, right. There's typos in there. It's just, you know, it's not a professional production. 
But through doing those Gator books and then the Jose Canseco one, which that's a whole other thing. Uh, or Sorry, it's not about Jose Canseco. For no, no, purposes. no, it's not. It's very clear. Um, yeah, so then by the time I got out here, my following got a little bigger. I was able to do the uh, Anxieties and Ally right. book, which, you know, that actually it seemed like that really helped a lot of people out. And so I was glad I had experience. So my first book that I really wanted to give some, some serious work on wasn't shoddy. You know, sure. I, I had some experience by the time I did the anxiety book, and now uh, this is this, I can fit all my other books into this one as far as word counts and mm, everything. Mm. But this came about because um, I'd always known I was going to write an autobiography because a lot of things have happened in my life, a lot of weird things, a lot of stories I've told on podcasts, a lot that I haven't. Uh, and in the two years almost that uh, I've known my fiance, she's told me like, "You have to write a book. Like this is insane the amount of stuff that's happened in your life." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, when I'm fifty or I'm retired or something, I'll write an autobiography." And she was like, well, why don't you do it? Like, like like, David pay for the wedding right now. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) She said, why don't you do it like a David Sedaris book? And Mm. I was like, I'm not familiar. I've heard the name. Oh, yeah. But I read a couple of his books and I realized like, oh, it doesn't have to be chronological order. It can just be a series of stories that I tell. And I could I could write several books like that. And so I read a few of those. I kind of got the tone together. Like the the format is directly like a Sedaris book. It's, you know, a bunch of longer chapters, a bunch of stories in between them, kind of out of order. Um, But that that's totally where it came from. Was uh, the Sedaris thing, and it was it was amazing the, to write it that way. What was the big book he wrote? Uh, he talked you were, pretty. It was really me good. Me talked pretty one day uh, when you were engulfed in flames. Okay. Uh, let's explore diabetes with owls, um, but they're all kind of that same style. Right, right. right. And it, it's just been so much fun to write uh, in this way and get all these stories out in in one place because I've told many of these stories, very abbreviated versions of these stories on podcasts and stuff. But I want just one thing. So like, if somebody follows me tomorrow and has never heard me on a podcast or anything, <clears throat> they can pick this up and get a pretty good idea of yeah. you know, what <laughs> led me to be this way and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm extremely proud of it. That's it's, super cool. How long did yeah. it take you to write this one? This one was five months, which Damn. was uh, the other ones usually took one or two months. That's uh, not bad, though, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, That's pretty, I mean, takes, considering that some people can take up to, you know, two, three, four years to write right, right. books. I mean, the fact that you're kind of able to let that, like, put it on the page, get it together, and let it go. Yeah, I just, when I get focused on one of those things, like, I, as soon as I see that it's really going to be a thing, like, once I get a couple chapters in the can, it's like, okay, this is actually going to be a book. I need to spend time. Like, every weekend, I'm going to the coffee shop. I'm just going to chug coffee and write for hours mm. and hours and hours. Right. So it was like four or five months of writing, and then maybe a month of, like, you know, I had a bunch of people uh, prove it. Summit Sarkar from Polygon was one of the proofers. Uh, so I, I had a bunch of people that were, you know, writers that, sure. that proved it. So, like, I feel like this is the most, like, professional thing i And, then, done and so that's far. the other thing. For the professional side of it, for, are, is it self-published? What do you... It's self-published. Well, okay. I, I guess I technically have my own publishing company. So Technically. But, I mean, I don't have, like, a building or yeah, anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, up World to Records, p- publishing you, we <laughs> room, we got a room back there that's like free. It's got oh, a yeah? table and a bunch of boxes. Okay, so sweet, sweet. There, That can be up to want. something publishing right there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> right. You have to deal with <laughs> Kevin though because he wanders awesome. back yeah. there like a small cub, like a little bear. Okay, great. Did, great. did you design the, the cover of uh, this? I had the, the general idea of the front. I knew I wanted this picture and just the general font placement, but it was my fiance that uh, she does a lot of graphic design and art and stuff, so she, she had the idea of the whole like, you know, photo album uh, thing yeah. on the back yeah. and the spine and everything. Like, she did all the coloration everything on the front. Like, she, she nailed it. That's so. awesome. I just yeah, want to so give a shout out to, to Baba New, my favorite font. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might, you might know this from every kind of funny video ever. Let me see. Oh, really? Made, made in the last year. I do like that yeah. font. 
Damn, Big fat you actually one. can notice that? That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I would have thought it was Helvetica. I think everything's it's Helvetica. It's not. I, Baba New's the it. new Helvetica. Oh, Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. It's, uh, I wanted to keep it uh, mostly lighthearted. I mean, they're all pretty much just silly, kind of insane stories. Like, just the weird stories about, like, when I made that movie with George Clinton when I was 18 and, like, yeah, a bunch of weird George stuff Clinton like that. George Clinton in the Parliament of Funkadelic? Yeah, I was on, when I was 18, you I was on PCU? stage with him. Uh, I was not in that. <laughs> he was in my movie. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I was 18. Uh, it was originally like supposed to be Ted Nugent, but then it turned into Ted <laughs> Which here's the thing. I knew a lot of these stories were going to sound super unbelievable. So I actually, if you go to danrecker.com now or my Facebook page, I put up an album of photos directly from these stories that Smart. prove that this is all true. Awesome. So like, you will see all these photos of me with George Clinton and, and, and all this Did stuff. Did you think about putting those in the book at some point? I kind of thought about it, but to be honest, I just I didn't want to put a lot of pictures right, in here. Right, right. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 mostly lighthearted. I. Uh, I did include one chapter um, because it's it's mostly supposed to be important stories to me growing up, and I was there uh, when Owen Hart fell. Yep. Uh, yeah. In, in Back Arena. Yeah. I was in the over, eighth row. Over the edge. Over, over the, the edge. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's kind of hard to write a book about uh, big things that happened in my life uh, without including that because I watched one of my favorite wrestlers die, uh, and it was a whole fucked up thing. And, and I've never seen like a really like the events of that show uh, are so weird. Like most people just saw the. Uh, the pay-per-view broadcast. Right. And, and that, didn't, crowd, that didn't show anything. And... You just saw Jim Ross saying, like, oh, he actually died, this and that part of the entertainment. But, I mean, I was there, and I have not seen anyone give a thorough, uh, like, hey, this is what it was like being in the arena where they weren't telling us anything. We didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, there is a whole chapter near the end that is about um, being there and, and what that was like. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's mostly lighthearted, but there are a couple times where, you know, that, that's a little... I guess, I don't know if darker is the word for it, but... Uh, well, it's defining, right? For an autobiography, that stuff's going to be in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of the most memorable, you know, for bad reasons, uh, yeah. parts of my life. But uh, overall, I'd say it's a pretty lighthearted thing. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I I don't think we've ever talked talked about it. I really did like uh, anxiety. Oh, like thank you. The fact that you, when you did that and you talked about that and you talked about how it came out of nowhere for you and you oh, didn't yeah. know what it was and yeah, how to grapple yeah. with it. And I liked how honest that portrayal of it was. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh, that's the first one I wrote where I was like, you know what? I actually kind of want to take this stuff seriously. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, the Gators were fun, but they weren't serious. So anxiety was the first one, and then this is definitely the big one, especially in terms of, like, word counts and everything. Sure. This, is, this looks real as fuck. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a real-ass <laughs> book. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like, a real-ass book, like, man. Like, Air Force Gator is 24,000 words. The second one was 34. Anxiety was, like, 44,000 words. This is 84,000 words. That's so, like, awesome, this man. is a real deal. Like, it's not, like, giant Reader's Digest font or anything. It's, it's yeah, a real deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Seeing the physical copy is, is pretty insane after five months of just kind of slaving away at this thing. So, yeah, I can only imagine, man. Congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Of course, yeah. available now, ladies and gentlemen, on Amazon. Link in the description. Kindle and paperback. Kevin's been throwing up the image I bet the whole time. This Ooh. is kindoffunny.com slash Dan's book, though. Oh. So we'll do that. Well, thank you. No problem. Nick, what's your topic? Uh, I want to talk about the decline of Hollywood and the rise of Chinese cinema. Mm. Okay. This is something that's been happening for a very, very long time. And there's a few articles that have come out in the last uh, few months that have kind of piqued my curiosity and my interest in this whole uh, uh, topic, largely because so much of you know my own personal upbringing, my childhood, my identity is tied largely to Hollywood filmmaking. And now it seems like a lot, like we are quickly becoming second in that race. Uh, and I'll, I'll let me open up a few. Let me, let me hit you with a couple facts first, so we can talk about this, because um, I want to get your guys' perspective on some of these things. I love a good Nick uh, fact. I'm trying to pull the Colin out. You want the glasses? You got to put the glasses. Can I put the, the glasses on? Yeah, put the glasses on the bridge of your nose. Okay. Say six and one, half dozen in the other, uh, multiple times during this. Six and one, 
half dozen in the other. Do you have a pen? Can you draw a snake on your arm? (laughs) (laughs) Pejorative. What else? No, he says the. Oh god, I'll I'll think of it later. It'll come out. Uh, So, just kind of to catch everyone up to speed, and I don't want to have a. I'm not going to expect you guys to memorize these facts or be able to, you know, regurgitate them back to me. But I do want to talk about the spirit of this. you know, obviously, Hollywood movies have traditionally been a huge export for the United States, both culturally and economically, right? We've, up until this point, been, uh, like, our our box offices here have been basically number one in the world. Um, now, that's quickly changing. They're forecasting by 2018 that the, the Chinese box offices will be the number one, hmm. making America basically number two, second fiddle. Um, China is currently offering subsidies. There's a, there's a, uh, a company called the Wanda Group that's offering, uh, offering a huge subsidy of $750 million. Sorry. Film fund of $750 million and 40% subsidy. So they're actually giving you back 40% of the money, essentially, um, that you would be spending to produce a movie in their country. So that's a pretty big incentive to go over there and use their facilities and produce a movie there. Um, Now, obviously, when you're producing something in China or something that's going to go in, you know, historically, there's only been about 34 movies a year max. Uh, foreign movies that have been allowed inside China because obviously it's still run by the Chinese uh, Communist Party. Um, And they're not... You know, they're pretty harsh with what they do allow as far as their people to say and do. Hmm. And then, of course, if you want to bring something that's pretty controversial from the United States in, good luck with that. Um, But now they just released – there was another article that came out. And the reason that this kind of spurred my thought process was that there was another article that came out um, that basically said China passes law to ensure films serve the people and socialism. And that goes on to say uh, things like it forbids content that stirs up opposition to the law or constitution, harms national unity, so, uh, sovereign, sovereignty, or uh, territorial integrity, exposes national secrets, harms Chinese security, dignity, honor, or interests, or spreads terrorism or extremism. Um, now, keeping that thought in mind, a lot of the money for Hollywood films is currently coming from China. So it begs the question, if they're able to set the tone for it, where is that going to leave Hollywood blockbusters in, say, five to 10 to 20 mm-hmm. years, right? Yeah. Um, like if they had creative control or creative say? Well, in they're having creative movies. say, right? So, so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of small stories, uh, but most notably one of the biggest stories is that um, obviously Transformers 4 was the, biggest, the highest grossing film in China. Hmm. Um, to, to date, I think it beat Avatar. Um, and the reason it was high grossing was because they, were, they, they agreed to shoot a lot of it in China. They agreed to use Chinese actors, Chinese locations, uh, Chinese businesses. So even as going as far as like, you know, bank ATMs they go to that are supposed to be in the middle of Texas is a Chinese bank. Huh. Um, and in lieu of, er, because of that, they were given day and date release in China with the rest of the world. So which, which essentially is their technique of saying, look, if you do this, we'll release your movie the same time it goes in the rest of the world and we'll guarantee a certain level of, um, that it won't be basically pirated. To a certain degree. Okay. Right? Because if it comes out of the United States, people pirate it, and then boom, China, boom, right. you lose a lot of money. Um, well, that <laughs> helps it essentially be the highest grossing film of all time in, in their country and one of the highest grossing films in our country as well. Um, but what I thought was interesting was my, is my first re- reaction to that is, well, that's kind of fucked up, right? That we have to, they're giving us the money, but then we have to. What do you got there? Ooh. I wanted beer, so I ordered beer. Just now? Look at that. Well, I ordered it online. Yeah, right. Holy the moly. Cool. They didn't have Bud Light, so you get the I got your craft Pilsner. Oh my goodness. And then I have I'll be a fancy five. lad tonight. All right, let's do it. Um So I mean all those whether that's right or wrong doesn't matter, right? My, the question I have for you guys is if they're funding the movie, do they have the right is it right or wrong, rather well it's not right or wrong, but 
What's your perspective on them saying, look, we're funding the movie. We have the right to tell you kind of what goes into the movie or what doesn't go into the movie. Otherwise, it doesn't get released, right? And is it fair to say that if you're going to shoot the movie here, that we ask you to use Chinese actors? I don't know? know if right or wrong is the word. I think it's business. You yeah. know, I think it's them. Uh, it's, well, I guess not necessarily business if politics are involved too. You know, well, it's politics. I mean, the United States government is kind of looking into some of the acquisitions that the Wanda Group, the Wanda Group has made, and seeing if it violates any sort of um, security regulations. But I don't think they found anything just yet. But I mean, if it's going to help the movie studio make a ton more money in China by hiring more Chinese actors, you know, which is good in its own right, sure, uh, and, and showing these different locations or shooting there, then I guess I'm failing to see the the bad part, unless they start trying to like. Put like government propaganda or something in these which movies, which is I which think is kind what of what's happening, be. right? Because yeah. you're not. I mean, that, and that—that's the question. It's a gray area, right? If if I said to you, "Yeah, hey, I want to give you money. You can come make this movie in my country," but it comes with these caveats. It comes, you can't really say anything bad about China. You can't really this was, say anything. This was the thing. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought when we left Independence Day Resurgence, we were talking about this, right? And the fact yes. that though they had the Chinese woman pilot there, correct? And that they I'm, made a big deal about. Being, and like it was like America's awesome, but so is this Chinese woman pilot. Right. You know what I mean? They made a big deal about like that was the they were. Le- I forget. It's been so long. There was something I remember we queued in on of like that was weird. It was like, oh well, did you see the opening credits that said it was Alibaba? Yeah, yeah exactly. It was, it was probably uh, the Alibaba, one of the uh, Alibaba, which is a huge. It's like a Viacom of, of China, right. but they they put out a lot of movies and they make a lot of movies. And they co-finance a lot of yeah, movies yeah. too, um, which is by the way another political strategy they use. Given that there's only 34 foreign films allowed. In China, and it's it's opening up a little bit now. But one of the skirts, or the workarounds around that is that you can co-produce with a Chinese company, and then boom, you can get your movie made. Which is, which I yeah. think is what um, TMNT and Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation and Star Trek Beyond did. Do you say thirty Beyond, or forty? What's that? Do you say thirty or forty? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. They have a specific number. I think that's what I read in the article. I mean, what I, a weird, arbitrary thing. Three, What's that? No, I think it's 34 foreign movies total. I could I, I could be wrong about that. That seems so arbitrary. Was. Yeah. Why 34? Um, don't know. <laughs> so this to me is interesting because when you look at it, like, for example, uh, what's the difference between this or sponsorship and product placement of anything, right? Sure. Uh, I feel like watching Transformers 4, it was distracting that it's like, now we're going to China and there's all this weird Chinese, like the Chinese stuff stood out. Absolutely. Sure. Um, the ATMs and that that type of stuff. It's like them going to China. Sure, fine. Like they need to go somewhere. Uh, but there was a lot of little things that it was just kind of like it took you out of it and it made you kind of think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that, that that's that bad because I watched Doctor Strange last week and every time a Microsoft Surface book was shown, it was like it was it took me out of it in the same way where I'm like, there's the product placement. But it's like. I kind of think those things are equivalent in that it doesn't really matter. Like they needed a computer. They need to go somewhere. As long as these things are just, well, they're going to China because China's paying for it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. They could have went to Africa, Japan. Who cares? They're going somewhere. But this stuff uh, kind of turns into this, this worst case scenario where the finance then kind of dictates what they're doing. And that's true on the product placement side as well, though. Like they, they need a certain amount of computer scenes to get their their worth out of it. So they're going to write more computer scenes in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like it does affect it in that way. But I think that this, because there is an actual political agenda on top of it, that's when it starts getting scary because 
from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense for them to do these partnerships because why not? They need a movie to be made. Why not get in front of way more oh, people yeah. in front of an audience? And Hollywood wants is getting content? behind this. It's not and, like they, no one's fighting this. Whatsoever. Exactly, because there's no reason to. Right. They're like, well, fine, we'll make these concessions because they don't give a shit. Like uh, Independence Day is a perfect example. Like, who cares? But that's the problem too. I feel is the fact that I remember hearing about this. I want to say three or four years ago when this was starting to happen, mm-hmm. and they were the thing. I, it was, I remember being, it must have been like sixteen or something to that effect, talking about the fact that what's big in China is not necessarily the plot, but the big effects, the big explosions. Mm-hmm. That's what, and that the concern is more movies would go that way. And that is the thing we're talking about, right? Where Transformers Four is, I didn't see it, but I assumed. Uh, Transformers 4 is Transformers 4, big explosions. Independence Day is nonsense in big explosions, right? Like, I was I'm like, oh, that sucked. I don't, you know what I mean? What the hell was that? But if it plays well international and makes all that money, why does it matter what the actual content of the movie is? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's for me too. Is like, again, I'm not saying, I'm not here trying to pass judgment. Like, Hollywood has historically always gone to where the money is, right? And that, and the money always dictates the content. It just, that's just the way it goes. Um, the only thing I'm trying to grapple with internally is the idea of such extreme censorship and what that's inevitably going to do to sure. our product, right? Sure. Which is a product that, you know, film has been such a transformative medium for us. It's been such a great medium to getting like really profound, really important cultural messages out that otherwise wouldn't have the same impact. You know, uh, for instance, my wife's watching, uh, it's not a film, it's a TV show, but my wife's watching Transgender right now, right? Mm. That is such an amazing piece of art that I did not expect to affect me the way it did, right? Obviously, uh, uh, within like Caitlyn, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, things like that, have brought transgendered people um, to sort of the public forefront. The forefront, yeah. Um, but then sitting down and watching this and letting yourself be immersed in this narrative that is obviously fiction, um, but forms a, like gives you a personal bond to someone and what they're going through uh, by doing so is a very, very powerful thing. And the fact that that's probably not going to be allowed ever in China um, means ultimately. As far as blockbusters are concerned, granted, blockbusters haven't really tackled transgenderism. That's the thing. Um, but the blo- the there in, in Hollywood right now, the, there's the blockbuster and then there's the indie. There's no in between because mm-hmm. no one's funding those in betweens, right? And those in betweens are the ones that like have the, the the real possibility of making that cult, that big cultural impact, right? Um, so it's just it's very scary to look at that and then also start to see these Chinese films bleed into the American market. And this is something I didn't realize until I looked this up. Um, is that the same group that's offering these subsidies owns AMC theaters. And so you're now starting to see all of the Chinese movies be marketed to the United States, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing because I don't, I'm sure that there's plenty of great Chinese films out there. Um, but the question then becomes, what is that, what is that going to do to our film industry in the coming years? And what does that say about us? If for instance, we Hollywood starts making Chinese films and are forced more and more to use Chinese actors and they're being shot in China. Are they Hollywood films anymore? Yeah. I mean, the big thing, I mean, what you're talking about here and why, okay, well, whatever. It's just these big blockbusters. Does it matter? Does it do this? Who cares if it's this thing? It's one of those like, by the time it seeps in and Hollywood realizes how much money they can make on it, it changes the dynamic. And then eventually you're going to look around and be like, wait, where are all the jobs in terms of being a key grip or being a union guy Mm -hmm. here in the United States? And this is the same thing you've seen in every other industry, whether it's air conditioner uh, fucking carrier putting them out, right? Jobs leaving the state and going to Mexico. The fact that every CW superhero show, and this is a goofy example, but true, is shot shot in Vancouver, right? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things of like, they're not going there because the locations are awesome. They are. Vancouver's great. We've, I've been there. It's, I love Vancouver. But they're going there because here's a giant tax incentive. Yep, and it's a normal subsidies. thing of America bureaucracy and bullshit politics getting in the way of we're not making it easy for you to be a business here. And it's what we've talked about before, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, we Colin talks about it all the time once in a while when he gets really angry. Of like, we should have incorporated in Delaware. You know what I mean? Like, yep, we're a California company. 
but everybody incorporates in Delaware. They, they just fucking put on a dumb thing there because it's better there to get your business there to get less taxed. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do that. So, I mean, I looked into it. It's I know. Well, I know. We looked as, into it. I was cut and dry as you as I'm that, aware, but. but I'm saying there are plenty. <laughs> look at look at a whole bunch of businesses, right? Of course, they, they, they of have course. they file somewhere. So well, it's that's better to do a business, have a business in Texas where there's no. Exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. And like, that's the thing where it's like we can you keep putting the squeeze on people. You can't be mad when they leave. And that's what I where I've always been. I think you could see a lot of big studios wanting to do this for the obvious money reasons. But there have to be, I would have to imagine that a lot of the big directors, like imagine like the Coen brothers or sure. Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, like they have creative vision and stuff and they, they take a lot of authorship in that. I don't think they'd be willing to compromise that sure. because of extra money coming in from China. But the scary thing is the blockbusters are what pay for the indies. Right. So when Warner Brothers is having a bad year, they hope to God they can get Fantastic Beasts and where to find them out as soon as possible because they know that Harry Potter franchise is going to basically fund that studio for the next couple of years or next five years probably. Uh, and that gives them the, the ability to take the risks with Coen Brothers. I'm not to say the Coen Brothers movies don't make, make money. I have no idea if they do or not. But there have been lots of independent films made for you know between the you know two and twenty million dollar range that have made their money back and then some, um, but those are huge risks yeah. that, that 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 movie studios are taking, which sounds counterintuitive because you would think a three hundred million dollar movie like Transformers is a huge risk, but it's not because you've got that built-in audience. Lo and behold, you know, in China, hey, um, I think these things transform. Oh my god, it's so. I mean, granted, I didn't see Transformers four, but I heard it's high art. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what it's, I heard. I mean, I. Transformers as a franchise, uh, not the movies, but as a franchise in general, that's very near and dear to my heart, probably mm-hmm. more so than anything else. Like, it's up there with Nintendo in terms of how much wow. I love it. And it, the movies, I mean, you know, they are what they are, and I, I can't really defend them, but I at least found them enjoyable. Sure. Age of Extinction was bad. Is it the like, second one? No, it was the fourth that's, one. Oh, that's the fourth one. It was okay. real. Oh, with the dinosaurs, Real right? bad. Yeah. Okay. And it's and it well a lot they of were this dino stuff bots, did kind I of feed into that right. shit. Like, see, that's, I wanted to go back to you. You mentioned Doctor Strange, right? Mm-hmm. And how uh, we love that movie, great movie. I think they did a great job with that. But there was an article I found about Doctor Strange that was saying that the reason Tilda Swinton's character. Uh, as sort of the Tibetan uh, mm-hmm. uh, monk character was changed to a nondescript white person was because of China's relation with Tibet. Like it's not, that's what people are theorizing. I don't think that's ever been proven, but yeah, they that, said that's the thing. instead that's of making we... that person a specific ethnicity or nationality, they were like, let's just make the ancient one a bland. Now that could also just be Hollywood whitewashing. That's my thing. Completely I, other I story. Think Ghost the, 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 those two things need to be looked at separately because the the, the politics and money are very different than the the whole actor side of it and the whole decisions made based on well no but those decisions are i mean those decisions are made like scarlett johansson's in um ghost in the shell because she sells in china no, like exactly. she sells overseas so well, she sells period she so. just sells right so um and not that's, toys apparently and it makes sense no. another famous uh, another famous example of it obviously is um actually probably the most famous example of it was when uh they did the remake of red dawn and it was supposed to be the chinese mm-hmm. and then china said no we're not releasing this movie and they digitally make, took it. and they digitally <laughs> made them all north koreans oh really like which is why that movie is completely yep. fucking absurd oh wow yeah. to colin colin hated that because he was like there's no fucking way north korea could take over and hold the entire continent of the united <laughs> states he's like but china could and of course china could but china doesn't want to be the bad guy anymore Huh, and they funded that movie? Uh, no, they just said... They wouldn't let them release a, it as over As a theater there, conglomerate, oh. as the number two biggest theater on the planet. You're not going to make your money back, basically, gotcha. because you're not. this movie's not coming out in our country. Yeah. Huh. I mean, that that's um, it sucks, but I mean, the way I see it is, it is what it is. They have the right to do that, but I feel like that's... Absolutely. A, China has problems, you know what I mean? Well, China definitely has when problems. When it comes to the, the movie side of it, it's just like, that's on us. 
quote unquote, as Hollywood to figure out how to to make sure that this doesn't affect us negatively in terms of the the authorship of everything. But I feel like the guys like Michael Bay, they want the money. They want more explosions. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about who's in the movie, why they're in the movie. They fun. just want bigger explosions. Yep. And it's like, cool, and that's the shit that sells over there. But I think that you were talking about the divide, and we've talked about this so many times, but I think that the indies, Netflix, and that type of stuff, that's the future of all of that. Mm. And that's where it's like, that stuff's going to grow, and like we're going to get the people with the defined visions, and pe- places like Patreon and all that are going to support people enough, and Kickstarter and crowdsourcing are going to give people the money needed to make things. And I think that right now, we're still in the baby steps of that because when you know even to make a low t- low tier movie it still cost millions yeah of you're dollars. looking at two to three million dollars so it's like you're not making that off patreon but uh when we're seeing with all these like actors that make their their kickstarters and shit um but that, no, that's a perfect example right but like it all kind of breaks my heart in a way uh simply because the more and more audiences go well that's like I'm they gravitate more toward those experiences. And I, I say those, you know, with, with love because that's us, right? We're, we're making content. We're asking the audience to subsidize that content. It's no different than what Netflix does. It's just, we're, we're not putting out stranger things yet. Or um, are we, or are we, are we the Duffer brothers? Um, spoilers. We're not, uh, but either way, that's still taking attention away from the theaters, right? The theater experience, the, 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 the movie, as we see the spectacle of seeing it on an 80 foot screen is dying. And it is going overseas, and it is just... And it's coming to Virgin America playing headsets. You know, at least United hasn't beat, because at least you can stream to a freaking iPad. That's so much better? It's way better, it's way better than that little tiny fucking Oh, yeah. You're missing screen. it, because you get to do this on the, on the thing and look at it. And my favorite is when part of the screen is, like, blue, and the other part's, like, pink. <laughs> That's super fucking dope. Now, you don't realize it, but they didn't color the movie like that. That's just because some, some kid I'm saying is United got scooped, and this is their fix, all right? When the internet's free, then tell me something about United. I know your planes are on time. Fair enough. Well, anyway, I just wanted to uh, put that topic in front of you guys. Let you mull it over a little bit because it's of concern to me. Okay. We'll 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 check back in a year see if unless China, China wants to give me everything. money for moving, in which case, what's up? We'll come shoot Game Over Greg's show in China. Fuck yeah, we will. Yeah. For seven hundred fifty million dollars. Fuck yeah. I'd kill Kevin. Eat him. You don't want to eat him. Then reconstitute him. You know what I mean? Oh god damn. Ugh. Tim, what's your topic? My topic is Mr. Fred Rogers. Mm. I want to read the first paragraph of his Wikipedia. Wikipedia, page. all right. Wait, this is Mr. Rogers. This is Mr. Rogers. Oh, okay, cool. I, I didn't know his first name was Fred. Fred no McFeely idea. Rogers. Yeah, it is. Keep in mind his middle name is McFeely. McFeely. <laughs> like McLevin. Was an American television personality famous for creating, hosting, and composing the theme music for the educational preschool television series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which ran from 1968 to 2001, which featured his kind-hearted, gentle, soft-spoken personality and directness to his audience. Initially educated to be a minister, Rogers was displeased with the way television uh, addressed children and made an effort to change this when he began to write for and perform on local Pittsburgh area shows dedicated to youth. The radio did a whole bunch of things and developed his own show eventually, and it was distributed nationwide by Eastern Educational Television Network. Over the course of three decades on television, Fred Rogers became an icon of American children's entertainment and education. He was also known for his advocacy of various public causes. His testimony before 
a lower court in favor of fair use recording of a television show to play at another time, now known as time shifting, was cited in a U.S. Supreme Court decision on the Betamax case, and he gave now famous testimony to a U.S. Senate committee advocating government funding for children's television. Rogers received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, some oh, 40 honorary degrees, and a Peabody Award. He was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame, was recognized by two congressional re resolutions, and was ranked number 35 among TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Stars of All Time. Several buildings and artworks in Pennsylvania are dedicated to his memory, and the Smithsonian Institution displays one of his trademark sweaters as a treasure of American history. God right. damn. That's, now, that's a lot of distinction. The reason that I wanted to bring him up. You are not a fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Huge, huge, huge fan. And I was just kind of thinking it randomly, laying in bed, Mr. Rogers comes to mind, right? I'm just like, what's up? What's up Naturally. with Mr. Rogers? And I started, started going through it, and I'm just like, this guy is just pure awesome. Like, he is just legit. Like, he's just the, sounds like the best dude ever. Would you, you call that, him the homie? He, Mr. Rogers, the homie, for sure. But as I started reading the Wikipedia and really going down it, I was just, I kept asking myself, but when did he touch kids? You know, I kept asking myself. You're waiting for the shoe to drop. When did he kill somebody? Right. You know, There's some skeleton in the what, closet. You know, when did he cheat on his wife? When did he Cosby someone? When, yeah. when, when was the Bill Cosby thing? And it never happened. Well, are you familiar with the, I'm probably getting the name wrong, but like Jimmy Seville, I think was his name. And I, I'm probably getting this all wrong, but it's I think he was a. No, that's Captain Lou Albano. He was a children's television performer in uh, England for mm -hmm. decades. For, from what I understand, he was basically like England's Mr. Rogers and hosted all these variety shows and charity things for children and everything. And then it came out, uh, he's dead now, I believe, uh, that it, he was like a notorious over decades pedophile. Mm. And, you know, he, like, he did, like, look at his Wikipedia page and it's a much different picture. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Kevin's showing it to yeah. us. Yep, there that is. is not a man I put alone with my children. Yeah, yeah. You, you can just look with, at him. With Fred McFeely Rogers? He seemed genuine. He always seemed genuine. He seemed genuine, yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. I always got like, even when I was a kid, I'm like, this guy fucking weirds me out. Yeah, a little bit. The soft-spoken really soft tones. Yeah, like he's trying to hypnotize hey, you into just children. taking your pants off. Yeah, he always did that, yeah. Yeah. I never I, I never understood. I, never, I was never a big Mr. Rogers fan. Really? Yeah, my mom would always put it on, and I'd look at it and be like, this is some psychotic shit. Like, so to good. me, Pee-wee's Playhouse was more Normal. on the level than... Than Mr. Rogers, well, so that's because the, at least you know where he was coming from. You're like, that's a psycho motherfucker. But at least yeah, I know, yeah. I can see, yeah. I can see. He's it, letting like, you know he's psycho. Yeah, Mr. Exactly. Rogers My mom would like the not let like go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loved, I love Pee Wee as well. But Pee Wee's an example. And like, again, not that what he did was that bad, but it's like that. I mean, at least not a level of. Uh, Are the whacking off? Being, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whacking Who off hasn't jacked off in a yeah. theater? Different levels. Uh, but th that's the thing is like even Pee, you know, Pee Wee has that. Like every single time you name somebody, like mm -hmm. there, there's all Bill Cosby, Bill <laughs> motherfucking Cosby. Yeah. Kevin, Who here's what I want you to do. I want you because I haven't looked About this at all. Who's the woman from Lamb Chop? <laughs> Sherry, Shirley, somebody other? Shirley McLean? No, no, no. Who's Shirley? McLean? Shirley somebody. Why am I thinking of Shirley? Shirley McLean is an actress. Yeah. Shelly? There's an S H in terms of endearment. Shirley McLean. Shelly? Find out who did lamb chop, and then find out if she ever did something crazy. Because I'll tell you, that is a woman I thought was fucking crazy. Yeah. Sherry Lewis. Sherry. There we go. Click on Sherry Lewis and let me know if she ever did anything bad. Was there a Google Sherry Lewis scandal? What now? Was there a ham bone? Yeah, there's a ham bone okay. in Lamb Chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamb, lamb Chop and ham bone, Lamb right? Chop's playing Sherry Lewis and then put Serial Killer. <laughs> what about the Sharon out? Bram and Elephant Scandal. Show? Elephant Doesn't, Show. You remember the Sharon Bram, the Scandamarinky-dinky-do? Oh, Scandamarinky-do. I love you. The Elephant yeah. Show. Wasn't that the Elephant Show? This is Bob, Sherry Bob Bram. Bob. Bram. Wait, no. God, Lamar. I got Sherry on the brain now. Something Bram and Elephant Show. 
I, maybe it's Sherry. I remember that. Is that the one that what was in a mall? Are you guys talking? No, about? I think they went to parks and stuff. They were all okay. over the place. There yeah. was one I remember on Nickelodeon that I can yeah. no longer remember that Babar. happened. No, not Babar. The are you thinking of Shop Till You Drop? The game no, show? No, not the, the game, game show. Came on after Supermarket Sweep? <laughs> that's, that a, was, that's a solid block of programming right there. I feel like Mr. <laughs> Rogers falls into the, for me, the Mr. Rogers, Sherry, uh, Mr. Wizard, Frugal Gourmet, who did turn out to touch kids. Remember, we've talked about this like, several times in this show. They are all people that are like, like closer to like the core of Greg. Like layered. There's so many things piled on top of them that I haven't thought of Mr. Fucking Rogers in forever. But then you bring it up, I'm like, I do remember watching that. King Friday was a thing on it, and there was the trolley right. The I trolley. Remember, I remember he would he would come in every day. From God knows where, yeah. probably from took murdering. off one sweater, oh, put another sweater. He, he was put murdering. On, he took children. his like sweet ass sneakers off. Yeah, took, put took off one pair of Vans, put on another pair of Vans, and then like put on. The, yeah, you're right. He always, he'd always put a sweater on. Damn, we had the sweater on already. Um, Sherry died of what was that one? It was scroll back down. Uterine cancer. Uterine cancer oh. and viral pneumonia. Jeez. That's how they get you, man. It's a bad time. It's like how Grandma Miller died after going to Alaska. She caught pneumonia. That's a story for another time, though. That's why I won't ever step foot in Alaska, and I will one day fight everyone there. Jesus, got a lot of people in Alaska. She fought off the raccoon, couldn't fight off the Alaskan pneumonia. Did she chase the raccoon into Alaska? No, and she then... didn't need to. I mean, come on now. Grandma boxed up. Yeah, you, you, yeah. That's fair enough. No one ever know, but no one knows if the raccoon escaped or not. We don't have confirmation that raccoon's dead. It could have been rehabilitated. It could have gone after. It could have been. It could have been the revenge story for all revenge stories. Well, I'll show you a video afterwards. Okay. My grandma wants to put a box in a sick raccoon. You don't need to show. Okay. I saw a raccoon get hit by a car today, and it was really sad because it's like in the morning moment it looks like a dog, you know, and then you like feel really sad. My favorite raccoon death story was Adam. We we were driving somewhere. Uh, Adam Brown was driving. My friend, this is in high school, right? And we've all been driving just for a little bit. We're none of us are expert drivers yet. Who is? We're driving, and the raccoon cuts across, and Adam Brown yells, oh, shit, but at no point tries to break. (laughs) Just, oh, shit. (laughs) And you heard it, like, go up into the wheel well and, like, the car. And I was just like, you didn't even try to break. You didn't swerve. You didn't do anything. You can't break. You got to go right through. He did. He did. We did the robot, you know, car thing. What should the car do? The car shouldn't swerve. Try to protect the raccoon. No, the ra- fuck that. But I mean, I just thought maybe a little bit of break. Just no, just constant 35 right over this raccoon. <laughs> if we're talking horrible animal death stories. Yes, uh, we are. Let me bring up one from about two weeks ago and tell mm. me what I should have done in this situation. Oh, fine. You did the right thing. Okay, so there was a mouse in my apartment. Oh, Usually it. around this time of year, you know, we get mice problems and we put traps out. Sure. And try to do it as humanely as possible. So I set up a trap in my room. Walk in there. I heard the snap. I walk in there. It's like, oh, we got one. All right, I'll have to go throw it away or whatever. It just hit like the back side mm-hmm. of him, and he looked Paralyzed like he was him. in the most pain. Like he was yep. just, just freaking out, you know. And I was like, "Fuck, what do I do here?" Like I had no idea what to do. It's not like I'm gonna take a fucking shotgun to it or something. <laughs> and so, and maybe this was a terrible <laughs> idea. Use your reference. Shotguns like top. Yeah, top yeah. of what you could do. They were yeah. very if the rat, if, in some if, other. If the mouse is yeah. the size of a crocodile, maybe you could take a fucking twelve gauge to his temple. I, I was not trained Tack for this scenario. Would have done. <laughs> My, okay, so I probably made the wrong decision based on what happened, but it came from a place of wanting to honestly put this mouse out of its misery because it was in a lot of pain. Yeah. So, I keep my th- this title for a reason. I, I'm pretty dumb sometimes. I grabbed a can of Raid. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. And I figured, like, what is the easiest way to just make sure it dies and doesn't have pain anymore? Asphyxiating on Raid? And so I just took the thing. It was a little tiny mouse, so I figured, like, hey, it kills a, it'll kill a big spider in, like, two seconds. Mouse isn't that much bigger than a big spider. And uh, so I just got right down there and just, just like, right in his face. <laughs> oh, no. And then 
the thing just starts like, just like freaking out. And I'm like, I can't see this. This is too sad. Hopefully, this is, doesn't last long. So I walk out. I go. Oh back my and god! I, no. I play a game for a while, oh and I'm like, god. so like five or ten minutes later, I'm like, all right, now I'll go throw the mouse corpse away, and it's still just. Like, <laughs> Oh no, trust me, so I used to live in a house down in San Mateo that had rats. They weren't mice, they were, they were rats. And so, and we, we, we didn't realize it until, because I used to live with Ty Root, so I just assumed Ty, you, you know Ty, yeah. um, great guy, but he's kind of scatterbrained sometimes. I, I just assumed, we were like, we, we just kept finding these bags of bread that were like ripped open, and we just thought it was Ty. <laughs> And so me and my my other roommate Brennan would be like, "Why the fuck?" And one day I was like, "We just finally brought to say we're like, Ty, why the fuck do you keep just ripping through these things?" And he goes, "Hey, that's not me. And B, that's not even my bread." And I'm like, "Oh, that's right, it is." Your and then we finally came to the conclusion that something was crawling up the back of the fridge and eating and like burrowing uh. through the bread and eating it and then going back. So we we assumed we found out that we had. Uh, and then it's all these stories of things that started like started replaying. Like, oh shit, I remember seeing things like. I thought it was just my eyes playing tricks on me, like darting across the floor, or you know, you'd feel you'd think you would feel something crawling at you or whatever. Turns out major rat infestation in this place, right? Oh. Major rat <laughs> infestation. God. So we we call the exterminator out and we're like, what can we do to get rid of these? And he goes, Well, I'm like, can we just put poison packs? Because I don't really want to deal with having to pick up like like exactly what you just said, right? I don't because these fucking traps take all rats like this big, yeah. and the whole point of it is just catch the fucking thing, snap its back, and then it'll slowly die. If you're luck, if if at worst, best case, it snaps the neck and it dies. But I mean, it's a fucking rat, so depending on which the approach vector, yeah, it's either gonna be paralyzed for life or dead in an instant, um, or really pissed and have a really dead against pissed you. Off. And so he, the guy's like, well, I can't put poison down. He's like, you don't want to put poison down with rats because they'll they'll pick it up carry it into the wall, share it with the rest of the rats in the wall, and they'll all die in the wall, and they'll just stink. And he yeah. goes, so you don't want to do that. What you want to do is you got to do traps. You got to just go old school traps. But what I forgot to ask him was, what the fuck do I do with the trap after it's caught the rat? Because that's, that wouldn't have occurred to me. So we put the trap down. I'm thinking it's one rat. I'm like, we got a rat. We'll kill it. We'll man up, and we'll deal with it. Snap. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck is that, right? Three grown men in their 20s walk out and look behind the, the, the fridge, the biggest fucking rat you've ever seen, and this trap wasn't big enough. This thing was like fucking shrimping its way out of the thing. Blood was coming out of its mouth, but it looked like it still had fight left in it. Oh, God. And so we're like, what do we do? And the best we could come up with was just leave. Just leave the house. Just move. Just come back later and when it was dead, and that's what we did. And then we had the problem of like, what, what do we do? Was it dead when you came back or yeah, did it get dead, out? And it was like looking at us like, I'm going to fucking haunt you. Um... And then it was like, what do we do with this? Like, how do we pick this thing up? Is it like, it's rad. It's got to have some sort of rabies or some, some fucking dis dysfunction. So we Rochambeau'd for it. I think I drew the card of like just grabbing like whatever part wasn't bloody. Yep. And they told me, they told the guy was like, well, you know, when you kill it, just empty out the rat, reset it and put it back down. I'm like, no fucking way I'm doing that. So I threw the whole thing out, had the guy come back. And it was like three or four more times. Because there was just oh, a I ton of rats. It was more than that. I it was a lot. It was. I mean, it was every. Oh no! It became like a, it became like a killing field. Our, our our like we had to set them up in strategic places, and every night it was a snap. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> and it got to the point where we were just desensitized to it. Thank yeah. God. Um, <laughs> but it was the it was the worst. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. Because talk about bad karma. What did the having, lamb sound like? Oh my God! <laughs> having to kill an. I mean, it's not like killing a spider. That's a big animal. Mm -hmm. Like the, the things the size of your forearm, huge, you could keep it as a pet and like name it and like live with it for a while uh -huh. until it develops cancer, which all rats do inevitably because they're just gigantic mammary glands. Apparently, my brother used to have rats. It's a very weird thing that he used to do. Um, 
But that is my rat story. Man, my rat story. Ooh, I got one. Okay. Uh, At some point, a, we do have a to-be-continued hanging here of a maced mouse and how, what he did <laughs> with right, it. Sorry, but no big right. deal. No, I want to hear you. It wasn't quick, mace. It was poison. My, 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 mine's very quick. Is uh, when, when I was really young, I was probably like six or seven, and that means my brother was like four or five. Cool, Greg uh, He's coming to patreon.com slash kind of funny soon. There was a, uh, a Nutcracker animated movie. Um, that would play all the time on Disney and a bunch of other channels. And it in it, at some point, they one of the they, they were all little animals. And I think that the the, the bad person was a rat. Yeah, king rat. I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. And anyways, at some point, as like a gift, because the bad guy was a rat in the kingdom, they would bring dead rats as like gifts, and it was like a nice gift to give somebody. And so we grew up watching this damn thing, and. <laughs> I'll never forget Please one Please don't day. go where this is. My brother, like my brother walks up the stairs and it just sounds so psyched. We were on the third floor. He had to walk up like three levels of, of stairs. And he was like, I got, I got something for you guys. I got something for you. He, like, he runs up and he's just holding this fucking dead rat by the tail that he found outside. And he felt like he was doing such a nice thing by giving me this dead rat. And I was like, at that moment, I'm like, I can't live with this thing. Like my brother. Like I was like, this is it. Mom, take him back. Yeah. We're done. I'm not story. okay with this. What the, the fuck choice. is your problem? But he meant well. And now that I'm older, I realize he meant well. Your brother's a special kind But of that boy. thing was like half as big as he was at that point. And oh, man, I'll never forget it. That rat, that tail, there was hair all along. It was horrible, oh, yeah. man. It was oh, fucking yeah. horrible. So, so you've maced this mouse. You is it, are. Is it mace if it's raid? I think so. I mean, I don't think that would kill him. Like, it's to kinda, me, it's in my head right bomb. now, you are that iconic photo of that uh, police officer in the full riot gear doing oh, that mace to all God. those college students. <laughs> I, mean, I assumed it would die immediately. I assumed that this was just deadly poison, and I, I got it was point blank, like just right in his face. Sure it was. Sure it was. And uh, it didn't die, and so I went and I played whatever the hell I was playing at the time, Overwatch, and, and came back. Ten minutes later, it's still freaking out, and I'm just feeling terrible. Because it, it looks like it's having a, just the worst night. And uh, so eventually I'm like, maybe a fall will kill it. And so I took it. I'm on the third floor. <laughs> and I don't run an exterminating business. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing hit here. Hit it with a fucking hammer in the head. I don't know. Oh, I mean, to be fair, I, Nick, that's, that's even, a little extreme. That's what I'm gotta, with Nick on this one. It. I would have grabbed the trap, taken it into the street, and then just stomped it. Yeah, just I don't know what else. To smashed do. its head. Well, what I did because we try to keep the traps so we can reuse them and everything. And I was like, okay, well, I just need I need to keep this trap. I need to get rid of this mouse who's still just freaking out. Sure. And so I pick it up and I'm just like, oh, this is the worst. I can feel it like moving around and all that. And I open up my window and I just put it out. And I thought for a second I just panicked and I thought it had like scampered free and was like oh, about nope, to run nope, up my nope, forearm. Nope, 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 nope. So I just dropped the whole thing. So the the, the mouse trap and the the mouse. And I was like, well, we need that mousetrap. So I go down. It's like dark at this point. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I go down there with my phone light. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not like a well-done backyard. There's like weeds and stuff everywhere. And I'm trying to just find this little mousetrap and not find the radiated mouse that wants to kill me now. But I didn't Super see mouse. it anywhere. So I, it's, it's like the end of Halloween. It's like I know that Michael he Mouse should be dead. But what? There's that rat is not there. That not mouse there. is not there. I To this day, I don't know where it is. Uh, so you didn't it, even drop it on to concrete. You dropped it onto grass. Uh, there's like a little incline with concrete that would probably hurt. Um, this I, was just an ill-conceived plan from the get-go. I it really was. Looking it. back, I don't know what I would do. Like, would I just leave it in the thing to die? Yeah. You drag yeah, it out and longer. then you hammer it, or you step on it. I think you got to. I step on. Yeah. Well, I guess here's I didn't my thing. Maybe slowly. That you wanted to get the used mouse trap again. Well, that's money. That's money. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Art, cost money. 
But aren't mousetraps like cheap enough that I'm like, I wouldn't want to deal with the trauma of this. Like, eh. just knowing it's covered in raid, I don't want to touch that. I cleaned that it off. That is a big part of it. Off. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Got to save money. Yeah, no, hey, hey all right. <laughs> I guess. Man. <sighs> Although I would never take a hammer to a mouse. Yeah, see, that seems. It's de- Don't get me wrong. I'm not looking forward to this. No, I'm not. Yeah. But I, I, know, I know raid's not going to kill it. Well, none of these <laughs> are good options. Like, they're all sad, horrible yeah, man, things. I mean, but... it, oh, the fact that you're taking the life. From a living creature is that there's the moral conundrum there. But I mean, if it was up to me, I'd do something kind of in the middle of all you guys, where it's <laughs> hey, like you just leaving it there and running out of the house. A hammer that I, sprays well, mace. I would either call Kevin to deal with it. Yeah, but that's that 100%. Been, and I wouldn't even know what he does. He would just take care Wait, of it. And I what, Kevin? Really what would you, have Kevin? Done yeah, you're the sense. you're the most manly man of us. What would you have done? So a while back, my cat, who's dead now, uh, Forrest, Thomas. rest in peace, okay. Forrest. No, Thomas is alive now. <laughs> so far. Yeah. Okay. Um. He caught like a small possum and slit its throat, but not Jesus. all the way. And then it went and hid in like a little, like there was a hole in the wall and it hid there. And I was like, fuck, got to do something with this, this possum that's clearly bleeding out. So I think I stuck a stick in there and it came out and I caught it in a bag. And I was like, well, I got to do something. So, did you just let centrifugal force take over at that point? Just pa pa right well, on I got a, I got a paint bucket. It was a big one, and I just I was like, all right. Oh, there was paint like, in the bucket. Yeah, I thought it was like oh. bucket no, side no, no, no. down. For a second, I thought you were gonna say you drowned bucket. it in the paint bucket. I was like, <laughs> I thought he was gonna go. Christ, knowing how Kevin. Kevin's I mean, head drowning works, drowning might not be a bad option because knowing like how Kevin's head works, quick. the way I thought that one was gonna go is that he took the paint bucket, empty, dropped it on it to cage it, drilled a hole in the top, got a hose, connected it to his car, uh, turned on his car, okay, and yeah. Yeah. euthanized it that way. Didn't have oh that much time God. to kill. That's the kind of shit you would do, though. <laughs> this all sounds so. How horrible. did this come from Mr. Rogers? I don't. <laughs> this I mean, is the most this, un Mr. Rogers conversation. We just, we just assume that Mr. Rogers has done this to children before. I no, think that's oh, where, yeah. no. I, I, my whole reasoning for this topic, and this is an open challenge to anybody. Name someone better than Mr. Rogers. A better human being. Because I don't think there is one. With no scandal. Because there's no scandal. There's no bullshit. Oh there's no drama, and he did so much good. Like, him even being gone, his show's still in syndication, still doing good. But what does it say about us, also, that we're trying to look for something bad in this guy, right? Like, like we've we, just we been burned so many times. And we're just like, no, no, this, this, this guy's got to have a little dirt under his nails or a little boy blood under his nails. Like, there's something, there's something wrong with this guy. We look at that and we just think it's wrong. That's fucked up, right? It is. And that's why I want to put him on a pedestal and look to him. And let the audience goal. knock him down? <laughs> no. Is he dead? Yeah, he died yeah. a long time ago. Okay. I don't know. Really not that long ago. I've been following Mr. Like Rogers' life. I've never heard that anyone. Long time ago. Never heard anyone say anything bad about Paul Bearer. Oh yeah. Everyone. My Undertaker, yeah. Yokozuna. There we go. Yeah. That's Everyone really who ever break. worked with that guy in yeah. an industry full of people that talk shit yeah. on each other. Percy Pringle. Percy Pringle. Yeah. Everyone loved him. Yeah. Yeah. William yeah, Moody. Yeah. 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 I guess you're right. Yep. Mr. Rogers. Paul Bearer. Yeah. Name someone better. I dare you. Somewhere in the in middle. In the comments below. And I might be dating myself, you know, but probably President Trump. <laughs> My topic I'm come from Patreon.com. Oh, you're going to pee? Yeah. All right. I already know your topic. No, that's fine. I'm just going to wait still. While we wait, we're talking about Patreon.com some more. Here's everybody who supported us in the month of October. You're going to sing while it plays? Okay. Right now, names are scrolling. Oh, okay. I thought you were just like waving at the beer and the book and the mug. Oh, yeah. Pick up Dan's book, kindoffunny.com slash Dan's book. 
Yeah, there we go. Are you leaving that with us so I can read it? Or do I have uh, to, I'm have going to, to be, I sent one, I sent a finished one to Greg because this one was my proof copy to see if it came out right. And uh, I, we accidentally put the spine yeah, put it, in the wrong there. way. Like so. if you, if really? You, yeah, if you were to lay this down, like just lay it down. Uh-huh. Oh, it's upside down. Yeah, I see. I, I see. mean, which you you're know. on, you're on, a, you're on a nice bullet train. You look over there, you see that, and you're like, oh, I don't know what that book is. That's that, that guy couldn't like do a different this, language. It's not couldn't English. do the spine right. I don't right. want to buy that. Is that book. Arabic? Yeah, it's a million different things to worry about when you're putting a book together and the uh, spine. But you caught it in the totally, proof, which is huge. Yeah, which is why I'm glad I got a physical proof. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Smart, 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 smart. So yes, there will be a copy coming, coming to Mr. Miller. Fantastic. We'll bring it. I'll probably just buy. I don't have patience. I can send one to you. Kindoffunny.com slash Dan's book. Just let me know. Kindle. Oh, yeah. I like Kindles. I can send you a Kindle file. I can okay. email it to your at Kindle address. Really? Yeah. I didn't know I had an at actually, Kindle address. And anyone uh, that buys it can lend it to anyone. I turned off like DRM type oh, nice. stuff. So, like, you. Oh, wow. Anyone can lend it. If you have Kindle Unlimited, uh, anyone can read it for free. So, yeah. There, there's some options there. Now, while while Tim's gone, yes. uh, you mentioned I don't want to give away too much of the book, but the, he mentioned that you are or you mentioned that you are a wrestling manager. Yes. How did that come about? What is that? That came I about, took him to APW. Yeah, well, I yeah. made him. Well, I want to go to one of these shows. By the way, hey, my last one is on Friday. Don't look at me like I'm a poser. Greg wants to go every time. All right, then guess what's happening, everybody? Friday, you. Cool, Greg. Me, my mom, and Nick Scarpino are going to APW for see, Dan's last you're show. You're going to see Cody Rhodes fight Jody yeah. Ryan. Joey Ryan. Yeah. Oh, Let's Joey Ryan's stars. so good. Joey yeah, Ryan's. yeah. You you're going to love Joey Ryan. He's fantastic. He, does, he looks you like you. Joey Ryan's story? No, I don't know. He oh. looks just like you, but yeah. fucking what you yeah. wish you looked like. Fair enough. And his special move is using his the power of his dick. His oh, penis okay. is very strong. Now, here's what's going to happen, though. Sure. Is he's going to come out to the ring with a blow pop in his mouth. He's going to climb out of the ring and then yell... Who wants this blow pop? You got to jump up right away and say you. And then he's going to come over and put it in your mouth. And he's also going to be like, you look just like me. Yeah. Do you want to marry me? Well, he's already married, but do you want or engage? But do you want to be like on the ring <laughs> apron like with me and stuff? You could be like, you could be like his doink the clown when doink the clown had two doink the clowns. Okay. And I mean, they fucked all up crush. Or Dink Wink and Pink. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Fun yeah. fact. Are you really coming on Friday? Yeah. I'd love to. Because I'll sure. go if you go. My mom will come if I go. Okay. This okay. one's in Pacifica. Let me, let me, let me. I got to, <laughs> I got to do the thing. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> It's right there. It's right there. Yeah, I really honestly right now it's one of those things like you sh- in my head it's the map of San Francisco and then question marks all around it. That's the Pacifica is, Not is like twenty minutes away. Twenty minutes away. One city away from Daly City. Okay. Yeah. That's right. That's not bad. I don't care yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but the way that happened was through the PAX wrestling stuff that we do, and uh, we, we shoot all these promos. That's, that was the time you almost killed Greg. Yes, it yeah, was, okay. which I still feel bad about. Oh, you doing okay? I'm fine. Okay. All right. His ego is negative. So. I posted the, uh, we do these promos and stuff. So I did one where I was standing on Ocean Beach and I was draped in the flag and I was yelling about how much I hated Tim Turry or whatever. And uh, the promoter, Marcus Mack of APW, sent me a uh, message on Twitter saying like, hey, uh, have you ever worked in wrestling? Uh, you've got the gift of gab. Do you want to get your feet wet in APW? And I was like, oh, oh, you mean just the thing I've wanted to do ever since I was like nine <laughs> years old and come out to wrestling music and be a dickhead and everything? Like, yes, that would be fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, I, they put me with the tag team. Uh, I've managed a, a handful of people. I managed Joey Ryan for a match, too. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so, That's yeah, fun. It's, it's been fun. I hit MVP with an iPad. I tripped Billy Gunn. I, uh, now, are you doing this? And so when they said this is your last show, this is last, last show with you. APW. Okay. Um, but I am definitely, as soon as I get settled in New York, uh, there's plenty of indie wrestling out there, and I would like to keep doing it because it's so, super fun. So here's the thing about it, Dan Record. Yes. And this is, again, this is the fourth topic, but we don't care. You should have seen topic one. My question about that and the wrestling thing is, do you see 
that being your future? Like, is it one of those things? Well, again, I, I know that's far fetched, but it's right, far fetched right. most of your fucking life in the book. Like, I, I could, you're out there, this starts happening, things start happening, you start doing stuff. Do you see one day being like, all right, because like video game journalism, right? Like, right, right. there's usually a timer on all of us. <laughs> we broke away and yeah. started our own business, and eventually we're going to hire Roger Porconi to do all the work while we do nothing. You know what I mean? That'll be the, our plan. But like for you, you know, I mean, you giant bomb, you're going to go up, and eventually you're going to hit the point of like, Jeff Gerstmann's never going to die. He's never going to go away. <laughs> You're gonna have to go start your own thing or be a wrestling manager. I I have zero intentions of leaving Giant Bomb. Like you know, I, I love everything we do. And thing is, as fun as this wrestling manager stuff is, it's very much a side thing. I don't see it as like the only way you can actually make real money in there is if you're in the WWE. Mm-hmm. And WWE doesn't really have that many managers anymore. And I'm sure it's all not going to become a wrestler. Um, I just I can't take bumps. Bumps hurt really bad from the few I've taken. Um, Especially when someone untrained lands on you. That's, and maybe the person yeah. that gets landed on it should be a little fucking tougher. You know, no, you know, no. Maybe someone should come to fucking PAX and support his friends, unlike oh. only Kevin Coelho ever does. Fun fact, I think I actually was at that PAX and just didn't go yeah, to I that. know. You're, I'm well aware. <laughs> you're like, oh, you do this wrestling? What's that? I'm like, I've been doing it. <laughs> I wish I could have made it. Shut up, you two. I had to do a fucking panel. Yeah, we were on a panel. You were not on a panel. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. I broke down in tears telling Kevin how much he meant to me because none of you were there to support me. Oh, that's what we do. <laughs> We bonded, but anyways, not your not not no plans. If giant bombs around, I want to be a giant bomb. I mean, this is a full time job. I get to be like I love wrestling, but video games have always been my number one passion. Wrestling has been a close number two, Uh, and you know what? They've treated me great. Jeff is fantastic to work for. I'm looking forward to working with the guys out east. You know, working with Benny and Alex is fantastic. Uh, And so if I if I can keep doing the wrestling stuff on the side, and the most important thing is they are super supportive of me doing this stuff. Which is you know, part of the reason I left Game Informer. 100%. So now that I'm a giant bomb and they let me do this side stuff, I'm kind of happy on all fronts. You That's know, right. I get to do this great nine to five or whatever, you know, standard full time job. Standard, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I get to do stuff like this on the side. And like, this has been so rewarding to me uh, that I, I will continue doing the book stuff. And who knows, maybe 10, 15 years from now, maybe I'm just doing the book stuff depending yeah, yeah. on how well this all goes. But it's been getting better and better and better every book I put out. So. If that trajectory keeps going, I can see myself eventually just writing. Um, awesome. But as long as Giant Bomb's around, I'd, I'd be a fool to leave. And final question before we get to the actual topic. Yeah. Uh, your fiance, soon to be wife, mm-hmm. where's she from? She's from Jersey. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So is that one of the, is that one of the reasons it's so easy to go out there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would I would not be doing it otherwise. Um, but uh, from going out there and spending a month there in August and working with the East Office, New York City is incredible. You know, I love her family, uh, so we, we get to live with her family for a bit while we're looking for our apartment in Manhattan. Um, so like it how you great. use the word "get to live" instead of "have to live" in Manhattan. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I, mean, I view it as a as a nice like. Oh, yeah. or the parents. Oh, I just mean the parents. Yeah, oh, I was like, if I. If Got to live with my mother-in-law. Oh, no, they, they were very, very nice. They were great to uh, to live with for a month. Where does mom-in-law rank with regular mom who beat you? Uh, actually, my mother-in-law is a lovely person. I oh, okay, so yeah, she's yeah. Elena's the crazy one. <laughs> Living with my mom would end both of us. That's just the way it would work. It would be a beautiful end, though. Like two celestial beings <laughs> crashing into each other and making a black hole that sucks in the entire Milky Way galaxy. Did did the move come on quick? Because it seemed like you were like, I'm going. And I, you you and I are friends, but we're not like let's talk every day friends. Right, right. It seemed like you. Were, I'm going to go on vacation. New York's awesome. Then you came back like, you know what? I'm going to move to New York. And I was like, was it premeditated to go out there to try it out? Uh, no, the plan was uh, because you know Austin Walker left uh, to go to Vice or Waypoint now. Flushed his so- life down the toilet just like that cluppy kid. <laughs> 
so they, they needed some help out there. They only had Vinny and Alex. And uh, during some meeting, it, it was brought up like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe we could do something like, you know, send someone out for a month or whatever. And I realized like, oh, man, we could stay with her family and I'd love to check it out. I love New York. So I just enthusiastically, you know, threw my name in the hat like, yeah, I would love to do that. And as I was there and really starting to like it, it was like, okay, maybe I should bring this up as a potential full-time thing. And so we talked about it and, uh, yeah, everyone discussed it and it's great. So we, you know, we'll be hiring, uh, for a position in uh, San Francisco. I'm not sure when all of that happens, but yeah, as of December 17th or 18th, I am out of San Francisco. Wow. I'll be back for the year and all sorts of stuff. So GDCs you'll be through for, I assume. I don't, we don't really do GDC. Just come fucking back for GDC. Yeah. Yeah. It's that easy. All right. I never really liked UDC. What, 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 what do you mean? It's just so like businessy, and I've, I, I. Well, no, but you have no business to do there. You just get to hang out with people after they do the business. I guess that's fine, but like I also feel like that's not a show for me. I don't want to like butt myself into sure. like a developer talk and stuff. Um, and you know what? I, I've always been into the like playing games and talking. Like I, I'm a game reviewer. I'm not. A, I've never been a news guy. Like the mm, few times I've done yeah, news, yeah. I just feel like ah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Sure. So yeah, GDC like it's great to see people for sure. But, yeah, um, that's I why I, I like it. Is it like yeah, you get to actually see somebody come to yeah, town. I don't yeah. like I stopped going to talks a long time ago. Right, I right. went to enough of like let's talk about our shader technology. And be like, I don't know it's like about. this doesn't apply. We're yeah. the press, you know. Yeah, this exactly. it doesn't seem like a show for us. So agreed. Yeah, uh, this topic comes from Daniel Joseph Brady, who supported us on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny to get his topic read. The topic is. Customs and culture. After having traveled from New Zealand to America and Mexico for a few weeks in January, yes, this topic has been cooking in this hopper for quite some time. I experienced some customs that are not very common in New Zealand. The two main ones I realized were the overall outgoing attitude in comparison to New Zealand, parentheses, where we tend to be a bit more reserved and laid back, and the existence of a tipping culture. I found these two cultural differences novel and interesting, even though to you guys it's considered normal. So, what are some customs you have run into during your travels? Were they positive? Have you experienced any form of culture shock? I, I don't know if you'd call this a custom rather than just something I noticed, but in Japan, the couple times I've gone, you go into a 7-Eleven or something in the middle of the night. It can be 11 o'clock, you know, 2 in the morning or whatever, and they are the nicest, most helpful employees you could ever imagine. They're smiling, you know, even if there's kind of a language barrier. They are 100%. trying. They give a shit. Go into any Walmart or Target or gas station in America at 2 in the morning. And well, at any hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty true. I mean, yeah. and people are checked out, yeah. you know? So I think there is a... Uh, much more focused to like customer service in Japan than well, I've seen the, here. N- no, for sure. In Japan, that's the thing is that in Japan, it seems, and I, for their culture, they take pride in what they do. And so that is the thing, whether it's the janitor, or the CEO of this business, they are yep. proud of what they do and they want to be helpful and they want to do all these different things. And it's always funny how they treat when I'm, I've been there, what? twice three times twice i think and like the one time was for like real vacation you know we spent a week there and it was like funny to be handled with kid gloves as a tourist where like in america right like get the fuck out of the way like you know what i mean you're like i always think about it. even like you're talking about culture shock like new york's always the great example for me where when i go to new york it'll strike me that i'm the only person looking up or other tourists are looking oh, right. up when we walk around whereas everybody else is totally like on their phones and in their normal routine the same way i'm in san francisco right where i like i was down in the financial district today and it's like i'm trying to get to my eye appointment get out of the way i know where i'm going but like in japan they want to help you they want to do this stuff mm-hmm. there's this great photo that we took when we were there uh, you know a few years ago for this vacation where it's all it's like me and seven friends drinking in this convenience store in the window and our other friend went and took it from the outside and the sign above us is in japanese but it's like 
do not consume alcohol in <laughs> inside of this convenience store. We're all sitting there drinking beers, waiting for our reservation in this place. And like nobody came by and screamed at us for being stupid or this, that, the other. They understood what's happening. Like, okay, whatever, you know, yeah. go and do that. Yeah, Japan for sure is that. That's what well, it is. That politeness, like I remember uh, standing in some subway station or train station in Japan, and I'm staring at the map on the wall, not really sure, you know, what's going on. Yep. And I saw someone out of my periphery walking up, and just my instincts from my time here, basically, are like, ah, this is going to be some crazy person asking me for money or trying to stab me or whatever. And so I was just kind of like, I could tell somebody was San trying. Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> somebody was trying to talk to me, and so I'm trying to do the thing. I'm just like, I'm just not going to, you know. Stone engage. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized, like, I looked over, and she was just aggressively trying to help me. And I was like, oh, my God, I am in a different country right now. Yeah, like, oh, yep, you're yep, the yep. nicest person in the world. Like, it's just a total culture shock as far as that stuff goes. Nick, you just came back from a bunch of foreign places. Yeah, I mean, you know, Japan specifically, I didn't come back from Japan, but that that was one of the ones that was the biggest culture shock for me. And, that, and exactly what you're talking about. I used to smoke cigarettes. Um, and I smoked a lot of them in Japan. Um, and the smoking culture there is completely different than it is here. You're not really supposed to smoke on the streets. So you can't really walk down. Like in New York, you could walk down New York, the sidewalks, smoke a cigarette, throw them, no one gives a shit, right? Hey! Vinny Barberino. Um, but in Japan, in, in Tokyo specifically, they don't, it's, it's illegal. It's not, I don't know if it's illegal, but it's prohibited. Um, and I was smoking. I didn't realize this. I don't know because there's no signs anywhere that say don't smoke right. because everyone just fucking knows not to smoke. Um, except for me, the dumb shit the American, dumb American. It just assumes I can do whatever the fuck I want, wherever the fuck I want. Um, even though like they have smoking areas outside where you can walk and it's a little confined room outside the train station where you're supposed to go smoke. So I was, I was walking down the cigarette smoking a cigarette and I got a tap on my shoulder, turn around and it's a cop. And I'm like, oh shit. No guns. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm used to American cops. <laughs> and he asked me very politely if I would please put the cigarette out and he opened up a little pouch. And I was like, I don't want to get arrested right now because I, I don't want this to be lost translation, but I hope he's telling me to put the cigarette in the pouch because if I'm putting a cigarette in his fucking money purse, he's going to get pissed at me. And I put it in and he thanked me again and he left. Huh. And so I was that like, thing is just for that? America, tasered. Yeah. Easily. Easy. Just breaks Straight the balls. Straight to taser. to the balls, right? And then, you know, maybe, maybe someone shotguns me. Um, so that was interesting. One of the smaller things, I think, uh, Europe, it's always, you know, people always say that the service is, is just different, right? The service in restaurants mm -hmm. is very much about leaving the people alone. Um, and so at first I was like, why the fuck is no one coming up to like see if the food's okay? Touch the table. Steps? Yeah, any of that stuff. And it just turns out because they're not, they don't, they leave you alone. You're supposed to just enjoy your meal and talk. And I think that was, I mean, again, blanket statement. Not every restaurant's the same. You can go to some that are a little bit more westernized. But for the most part, if you go, like when I was in Germany, you go to a German restaurant or you go to an Italian restaurant in Germany run by Italians, um, they just, they tend to just leave you be until you need something from them. You call them over and they, they go, what do you need? You know, and because I think ultimately what I've heard from people who, who have lived abroad is that to them eating is um, sort of like getting together and convening is sort of the point of it. Uh, cramming food down your throat as fast as humanly possible and getting the fuck out of the restaurant to go to the next thing, not the point, right? Especially in Italy where you're supposed to just kind of get off work, uh, you know, maybe like around three, and then just relax the rest of the time and enjoy people's company and like drink and eat and drink and eat until, you know, it's time to go to bed. So that was always a little weird for me because I came from the service industry when I was in college. So traveling right out of that when I got the job at IGN, I was like, this is bullshit. And people were like, yo, you're American. <laughs> like not the same everywhere. Just remember that. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me though, is the drip coffee conundrum. They don't do a lot of drip coffee anywhere outside of the United States that I've, I've noticed. A lot of espresso drinks, like Americanos. We're back to this fucking machine I don't like. But they don't make drip coffee. So you can't go into like um, a normal like restaurant and say, I want a cup of coffee and get a traditional like ground coffee beans, water through it into a pot. They pour it into a, a cup for you. It's usually a shot of espresso hmm. or a couple shots of espresso with water on top of that. Small difference, but 
it's 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 a, a big flavor difference. Like the use of the coffee abroad tastes a ton better. Um, and obviously, you know, I just went to Morocco, so everything's different. <laughs> like the whole culture is completely different than than how we live. Um, and you're talking about a largely uh, Muslim culture and some of it, you know, women covered things like that. Um, not allowed to drive things. What, like are, that. what are they covered in? Like whipped cream or uh, no? Not that kind of covered. Oh my god! Just like I'm you know, used to regular Nick stories on pop. Covering hair, covering face, covering everything that's supposed to go out. Um, and so you're you're dealing with a culture there that you know has has different just just has a different mentality on how how they treat each other and how they treat and and that can be very difficult to go especially as an american with my wife um and look at and go and not judge but then you also have to remember like that's their country that's their culture that's that's what they do and who the fuck am i to go to there and be like you guys should do it like us because we're america and apparently need to police the world and be the moral you know the moral cops um but i mean i think the one thing that's always amazingly striking to me and this is going to be me getting a little cheesy right now is that when you go to a foreign country and then you start to get to know people there, you start to realize that everyone is way more similar than they are different, mm-hmm. just as a whole. Ultimately, every place I've been, people are just trying to live their fucking lives. They're just trying to take care of their families. And they're just trying to get home safe every day. Well, it's That's also pretty much it. The same thing of what you're talking about is the same thing wherever it seems somebody lives, grass is always greener. Like okay. I think about when we're in Japan, we were in Japan for this week. It was amazing. We went to the Robot Cafe. We're on the Owl Cafe. We're doing- Robot this. Restaurant? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There's a video on kindoffunny.com you can watch. Um, <laughs> We're doing all these amazing things. And then we went to Golden Guy one night. And are you familiar with Golden mm-hmm. Guy? Yeah. It's this uh, section, right, where you walk in and it's all these like little houses or little apartments that have been converted to bars. And so you walk in and there's all these bars that are like five seats. Or you go upstairs and it's seven seats, and that's a big deal. But I remember being in this one and this woman's got like four cats walking around. She's serving us drinks and we're sitting there talking. And we were talking about how much we love coming here. And she's like, I can't wait to leave. Like, what do you like about here? And we're like, the food's amazing. Everything's fried. It's not that great. What do you and like? It was so everything we were like, this is what's great about why we love coming to Japan. She's like, I can't wait to go to America. I can't wait to do this and that. And, the, mm-hmm. and it's totally that thing of like, what's normal to somebody else is just normal to them, no matter how cool it is and what it matters. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I know I've kept this a good secret, Dan. I'm in love with a girl named Jen who lives up in Montreal. You probably didn't know about this. I haven't heard anything about Well-kept this, no. secret. Canada, Mont- Montreal? Exactly, no, exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, exactly. Thank yes. you. I've been surprised. Have you tried the poutine there? I have, once or twice. Wow, yes, yes, yeah. I don't talk about it often. No, you don't. Fuck you. Have you ever been to Missouri? Oh, I just like everything. Do you, do, you, do you have a dog? I do. Oh, What's your favorite cookie? Oh, you. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, but I've been surprised. With, like, coming in, like, you know, going to Montreal. I've been to other Canadian cities before. And it's like, oh, the, you know, this one, every, this, it's French and English. And that's their big, you know, their big shtick. You know what I mean? You go up there. And I was like, oh, it'll be totally normal. And the, like, down, for the most part in Montreal, that's been the case. But, like, when Jen will take me out to visit her folks or her family. And then we go out to this, like, farm thing. And it's like, the further you get from Montreal, the, the less and less common English is. And so to be, there's this, you know, it's a convoluted story, but her sister has this group of friends that are family to them. And they do these amazing parties every weekend during the summer. And I went out there with there where they're closing everything out and taking it away. And I get there and I'm surrounded by these people that are all awesome. I can tell they're awesome. I get that vibe that they're awesome, but none of them speak English. And so to be the only person there who's just like, nodding and doing all these different things, it's like, Dude, this sucks. Like, I don't, I'm never in this scenario. Cause, like, when I go to Japan, I go to Japan with IGN or I go to Japan with all of my friends or yeah. Germany or whatever mm-hmm. this is. And then you get there and you're having a great time and you have people you're fighting in the whole time. And, like, to get to that point where Jen needs to switch it and she's talking to all these people and I'm just like, 
man, I'm that idiot. You think back to all those times that not in an asshole racist way, but you're, I am like, oh, like this person doesn't, you, you want to help somebody and you can't in America and you're like, all right, well, kind of fuck you. You should have known the language before you came here. You know, I mean, I got to go do my thing in the airport right. or wherever the fuck I am. And, and then to be in that other side, you're like, wow, this is fucking, this is terrible. Holy shit, is this isolating? Are you thinking about possibly learning French? Well, that's the whole fucked up thing. And that's, I think, what's really frustrating about it is the fact that, yeah, I took two years in high school and either two semesters or two years in college. I can't remember anymore. And so, like, it's one of those where it's almost there where I feel like I, like, right. I I'll understand 25 to maybe 75% of a sentence, but like sp someone speaking to you is just may have mentioned it at some point to you, but uh, Duolingo. Have you yep, tried that? Nope, I have, I, I have it on the phone. Yeah. I've been doing that uh, with Spanish for uh, over uh, close to a year, year now, I think. And I can read, I can at least read most right. Spanish now. And if someone's talking slow enough, I can tend to understand and speak and mm -hmm. my accent sucks and everything. Sure, of course, but, of course. Um, I've found that app to be tremendously helpful. Yeah. No, I got it. But it's the same way where like, I'm like in, awe that you have time to write a book no oh, like we right. go, we leave here and i'm like man i can't i don't even have the energy to fucking play a video game right, let alone right. you know sit there and like duolingo pops up all the time like it's time for your lesson like, fuck you you little bird <laughs> i ain't got time for your shit it's an owl isn't yeah. it yeah it's some kind of that's a bird i guess that yeah. yeah yeah sure <laughs> it's interesting though i because you know when you go to a country with that that largely they don't speak english and um it's i i, I had an interesting reaction to that. At first, it was a, it was a level of anxiety that I'm like, I, this is fucking crazy. Especially landing in, in in you know an Arab country where you're like the only white person as far as the eye can see. Um, again, I got over that because that's a stupid fucking cultural bias that you come. Oh, you think our country you, screaming ISIS, ISIS, ISIS all the time hasn't like <laughs> right, totally exactly. been you're like? I, can I trust anyone here? Yeah, I mean, and they're like, please get out of my way. I'm trying to go to work. One <laughs> in the least, but yeah, exactly. So you know, you go, but then slowly but surely, I actually it's, it started to be really relaxing to not be able to mm. understand anyone around me. Hmm. And that was the craziest thing is like my wife brought it to my attention. She's I'm like, I'm really relaxed right now. She's like, you know what that is? You don't have a bunch of fucking Americans around you talking about themselves and you're subconsciously picking up on that everywhere you go. You're hearing people and you can understand their problems and what's going on in their lives and their frustrations. And it's yeah, like, like amping you up. Exactly. Yeah. So you go to this place. People are talking. Like, I don't fuck they're saying. But I'm like alone with my own thoughts. for all The thing purposes. about that is, though, and, me, and correct me if I'm wrong, your wife's in the same boat. Yeah. Whereas, like, well, for me... a little French and a little German. Well, little, I mean, but yeah. for, like, where you are in Morocco, for Yo, the story, yes, you know what I mean? 100%. Like, when, when I'm back with Jen in Montreal, and she just immediately, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she'll do the whole thing, like, we'll leave, we'll go somewhere, and, like, the person will be like, blah, 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 to me, and I'm like, hi. <laughs> and then the person... Because they're awesome. Just immediately, oh, What's hi, English, how are you? Right. Yeah, what do you need? Blah, blah, blah. And we'll leave. She's like, well, you could have said this in French. I'm like, yeah, I could have, but I know he knows English. Why do I not? And then yeah. we'll do that thing where... The wait, the waiter or waitress will come over. I'll I'll be, I'll be up front and be the first person to say, "Hey, what's?" And she's like, "Oh, blah blah." And then Jen will order something in French. Then they go into French, and then I'm like, "Stop! Why are you doing this?" <laughs> like you know English, she knows English, talking English. So like Montreal, I, I've been there a couple times, and it does seem like most waiters and everyone can kind of switch back and yeah. forth. Is uh, Montreal's not in Quebec, is it? Or no, is it, it is. Yeah, yeah, no, no, okay. no, yeah, it's Quebec. It's once you get more into like rural. As Quebec, soon as you start, when, very it, French, when you right? leave Montreal, that's when it gets. Yeah, you, right, right. you don't have that. Where it was like, it was funny. Jen warned me about that, and. And then we were driving out to see our parents who live in the country. We stopped at the gas station like 15 minutes beforehand and we went in there and uh, I paid for the gas and I paid for something else. And then one's like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. Thank you. And she just goes, oh, welcome. And, and, I, and Jen's like, see? And I'm like, what? She knew English. She's like, no, she panicked. She knows that little bit of English. That's not a sentence. That's just, you know, she knows what that's supposed to be like. I get that, but I'm American. So deal with me. And that's the other thing too. Like <laughs> Jen always says I'm too I'm loud. Right. You know, I don't know. Tim. You and I, mm. we're, we're just loud people. You we talk people. at this level the entire time. Yeah, it's totally normal. Kevin, but fucking yeah. you guys are allowed. Yeah. <laughs> 
and like that's the thing you know jen always says i'm being too loud i'm scaring the canadians yeah because i go down and we get down into their subway and their their trains have wheels on them and i'm like that train's got wheels and she's like don't be this loud please stop being this loud you don't need you're scaring the canadians and i look around and there are a bunch of sheepish canadians like oh is he here to take our maple well, I mean, maple theft is huge. It's a currency, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, we, once we get all the oil, we're coming for the maple. Now, to be fair, she knew what she was getting herself into, mm-hmm. right? Now, mm-hmm. you can't take Greg Miller to a, a quaint French cottage town on the outskirts of Quebec yeah. and expect him to change. But it's I one think th- it's one thing to say, learn a little bit of the language. It's another thing to say, like, don't be loud. Take the Greg Miller out of Greg Miller. But it's one yeah. of those things, it's sure, you expect me to be loud, screaming and stuff. But like she was cracking up when we went to this spa to get massages mm-hmm. and like I was clomping up the stairs <laughs> and she's like, you need to walk more quietly. And I'm like, I'm American. I walk with purpose. I want people to know cowboy boots on. I want people to feel my weight. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I don't know. Stomp. Uh, I'll tell you though, I love I love traveling for that though. I love traveling because it does it, it gets you out of your comfort zone and makes you realize that the way you do things is the way you do things. It's not it's the not right the or only wrong way, way yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I really, really did not appreciate until this last vacation. Because up until this point, I travel for work. That's different. Travel for work because you're, the whole point of traveling for work is that you're bringing your business to that other country to do that business. You're not changing at all. And if anything, you're expecting where like when we go to Tokyo Game Show, we're like, I'm just expecting the Japanese. To bend, bend to my will, bend to my will, because I'm the press and they're not. And of course, good luck with that with the Japanese. Never really worked out that what way. What ends up? Oh, that's actually no, that's an off the record story. Stop. I'll speak. <laughs> okay. <quiet>. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, but I love that about I love I love that about traveling. It's one of those things where I think I've, I've legitimately gotten the bug now. Well, travel. that's my question for you. You've been quiet on this topic because you've never been out of the country. No, that's so crazy. Never been out of the country. Australia is going to be my first time in February. February. Oh, RTXSydney.com. Nice. Get your tickets. See Tim and I do exactly. stuff. And I don't expect Australia to be too different based on uh, my understanding everywhere. of you know people I know from there that I follow on Twitter mm-hmm. and watch their videos or this or that. Like whatever. Like it seems similar enough, right? And I, this topic actually kind of got me thinking about this. I think in a lot of ways I've been kind of broken with all of this where I grew up with the cultural differences so that now to me, it's like, it doesn't sound like a fun thing to go experience. Cause like uh, I grew up in San Francisco, which is very mm-hmm. diverse mm-hmm. and I've never through all of high school. I was never in a class that uh, where white people were the majority. I was sure. always the, technical minority. You were the token minority in in the room. So it's like me with all my friends, like I've said this many times, like 90%, no exaggeration of my friends were Chinese, like specifically Chinese. So I grew up with that. That culture was the culture that I kind of just had to deal with. Like I had to to live with that all the time. Um, So then when I started, like I had a couple Japanese friends or Korean friends or Vietnamese friends, learning the differences of all these things. And like when I go to their house with the rules uh, that these parents have versus those parents. Then, of course, I grew up with Kevin, who is Peruvian, so a Peruvian family. They all speak no Spanish. Rules. No rules at all. <laughs> but, like, all that thing, it, all, all of those groups, Wild. all of those groups at some point or another, some way more than others, would kind of have me be the butt of the joke, where I feel like it was always like, look how funny it is. He doesn't understand what we're saying. So we're just going to talk. Right. And it was off-putting. You know, I think, like, a lot of that over and over and over is just kind of like, all right, well, I don't want to deal with this, you know? And it's like, I definitely um, have learned to respect and learn how to just kind of work within like whatever it is. But like, it it was hard back in when I was 12 years old, uh, growing up with what I grew up with in my life, then going to my friend's house and they're like cutting off chicken heads and like serving me the chicken that night, but like making an extra effort to like make sure that like, you knew that they see me 
like that they make eye contact with me. They're like, and like beating the shit out of this chicken. They try to give like, me the chicken heart. It was a lot. It was a lot. Chicken hearts are great. Uh, and then yeah, yeah. Kevin's mom always feeding me fucking weird ass shit because it's me. Like just because. So it's just like it's one of those things where. Do you like, think that's why you're a full blown racist? Uh, that would probably help. Sure, yeah, that's sure. It gives some sure. some reasoning behind yeah, sure. all of it. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that it's why I am so kind of just like whatever when it comes to a lot of this shit. That's a great point, actually. Though I never thought about that with you. Why, why you haven't been out of the country, which is not. It's weird. It is quotes. weird. I mean, a I mean lot just of because IGN sends everybody everywhere, the fact that you didn't go. I never wanted to. <laughs> but it is that fact that yeah, you did grow up in a. I, I'll never forget when I first moved here from Missouri, uh, and somebody's asking me about it. I'm like. Dude, I was in a Walgreens and I was the only white person there. And I don't mean like I'm in a black part of town. I mean like there's just a million other races and ethnicities there. And it's like not that's was so novel for me coming from the Midwest, where clearly we're the big swing of dick. I mean, what's what's <laughs> weird to me is I didn't really like uh, besides a couple people here and there, like little ones. Like I didn't have any white friends until IGN. Then all of a sudden it was white people, right? Like the games industry totally changed my perception of like my friend group and like the, mm, mm, the mm. how it all like broke down uh, culturally. And it's, it's funny because like a lot of my, my friends like, that I grew up with, they're all like, it's so funny seeing me at a table with four white dudes. Cause they're just like, this is so out of character for me. You know, it was always me with various Asian people, whether it's like Filipino or like Alfredo even, right? Like he's a little bit of everything, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's funny. Cause like, I, I think about the whole cultural shifts and shit. And to me, it's just kind of like everyone's like, I, grew up knowing everyone's different. So sure. dealing that with it sense. all is less shocking to me, I guess. It's also just kind of, this is this is what it is. People are different. How do your friends feel about you dating one of the smallest white women ever? It's very unexpected to everyone. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. you're with a white girl? And mm-hmm. like, but, but you, then that, you let us down. But <laughs> that's the thing though, is it's like, it's, it's so funny because for as progressive as we are and where we're at in 2016, the fact that I'm dating a white girl is a thing that comes up. Like that's with funny. my group of friends, that's weird. Like where they're just like, man, I never would have thought you'd end up with a white girl. And it's like, man, like that's a weird thing for you to say. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, I but get I think it. That, I, I think get they mean it, it in from. a way of like, you've already surrounded yourself with, with Chinese people. So it was, ne- and then you had crushes on girls that were, you know, Absolutely. So, so to them, it's like, I don't think they mean it in like, wow, we just realized that Tim's white and it's like Simba going back to the pride, right? Like, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like they just mean it in, in the way of like, maybe one of them would have been the person you have chosen. Absolutely. To, to but I, it's just, we it, always thought you'd end up with Alfredo. That's, yeah, well, that's true. Uh, but I guess that's my thing. It's just like, I, I, I've come to this realization many times over the, the course of the years we've done this show, but it's just like, I am sheltered and very, very in a microcosm here, mm-hmm. growing up here with my experiences. And they're, it, as progressive as they are and as different as they are, and I feel like as they should be in most cases in terms of like, I just see people as people. It's like other people don't think that way. But that's the thing. You're sheltered in a very unsheltered way if that yeah. makes sense where yeah like you haven't left the country which on paper sounds ridiculous and weird but then it's like you tell these stories like oh that well that's no no i didn't grow up that way you know, remember i remember what a oh my god i remember the first asian girl who came to our k through 12 or eighth grade right and like that was a huge deal and then it was an even bigger deal to go to high school and have count them three black people in yeah. the school, mind I mean, you. That's, cool. that's so that blows Jesus my mind. Christ, yeah. like it, I, the breakdown in all of my schools um, as it went up to high school, it got progressively dominantly Asian. And I, I feel like a lot of the um, the black and Mexican and, you know, uh, those people started going like getting smaller and smaller in the pie mm-hmm. chart. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it was always just not equal, but like fairly well distributed. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, no, I mean, I'm with you too. I mean, like growing up in Riverside, like I was around a diverse group of people, but still, it was a smaller town in Southern California, so I wasn't getting, I didn't get exposed to a lot of uh, real cultural differences. Well, other than other than you know Mexican American and African American, that's those that predominantly, and I guess a little mix of Asian, but you were still getting getting that Southern California feel to it, right? Sure. Um, and so me, what was normal to me was a group of friends that were you know white, Mexican, Asian, and black. But we were still SoCal, so I'm not getting a heavy European influence. I'm not really exposed to um, Muslims or or really like Jewish people or any of those any of the different religious faiths other than either agnostic or Catholic. So mm. you know, so I mean, this as much as you are, have been exposed to things, there's so much more out there. Absolutely, that, and I mean that's the thing. But, like, it, but it can be hard. It can be very very hard because you're like, this is my comfort zone, right? And coming out of that comfort zone is like for me, it's like years, years, thirty six to the point where I'm like, ah. It just clicked. I get it. I want to go out there and explore the world. And that's such a such a good point. And, and I wasn't saying this correctly, but it's like there is so much more out there that I don't know. So it's like as yeah. diverse as I feel like I am, it's like I, there's so much out there. There was there's no type of Indian uh, representation at all. So it's just like that's so the like the Indian thing was the like them being in the schools. It was just like oh. You're, this is different, you know, like that type of stuff was crazy. Different religions and all of that is just like that. There's so many layers there mm -hmm. where I'm just like, I just don't even know about that. But to me, the biggest culture shock I've ever dealt with, Texas in general, going there. It's some country. It's a different motherfucking country. And it's just like even, even Austin. I love Austin to death. But like even there, it's immediately like, whoa, people are different here. Yeah. Like that felt like well, going to Austin. I always talk about it felt, felt like going home because it felt like Columbia. And really? like, yeah, and like, I'll never forget, like, literally, as soon as we stepped off the plane, Tim and I stepped into the bathroom the first time we were there, and he's like, the paper towels are so much thicker here. And I was like, oh, man, you are in, for, in for some everybody. stuff happening to <laughs> so, you right here. I felt yeah. the same way with you with Texas, though. And, and, and I felt the same way when I went to Florida and New York and, and in those areas. Um, but, and, you know, again, I would say look out, like, start to appreciate those differences, right? Because the more you appreciate those differences, the more you really do appreciate how, how, how similar we all are. If you didn't know, this has been the Game Over Greggy Show. Each and every week, four, sometimes five, best friends gather on this table. Oh, Kevin. Each bringing your... I saw him reach for the buttons. I thought for sure he's going to fuck something yeah, I saw, up. I just saw his eyes in between the cameras and his like, big white smile. Like, we each bring a random them. topic of conversation for your approval. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny where you can get each and every episode early. Put up your own targets. Get up targets. Damn it. I thought I was going to I was add lemon there for a second, Dan. You were doing that I thought right I was going to do some new stuff. Yeah, yeah, Put up your own topics. You like that, that too? I was, I'm, 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 I'm trying something new. I'm composing at the keyboard, as they all say. Right, all right. No. There's also all the other perks and shit. You don't like that? You want no. me to stay very true? To I what like we are? consistency. Like we just talked about. I don't like leaving my comfort level. Like my well, most people turn off the episode by now, I'm sure. No, some people, because they've learned that at some point at the end of the episode, we talk about porn every single time because it's what we started at the beginning. I was going to say, we started at the beginning of the episodes. Yeah. Man. If you don't got any bucks to toss, no big deal. Head over to YouTube.com slash kind of funny where we put up the entire show topic by topic, day by day, until it goes up as one big video and MP3 for your approval. You like that? Mm -hmm. I'm stick it. If you don't approve, we, fuck you. We don't care. Dan. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much of for having Of course, everybody, me. go to kindoffunny.com slash Dan's book. You can get the Amazon Kindle or print version there. I want to say, Dan, you're one of my biggest regrets. What? We, we, when you moved here, I was like, that's a man I want to be friends with. And we're friends, but we never we actually like, hang out. Outside of a few wrestling I'm very, very stuff. bad at having real friendships. I'm, I'm great at having acquaintances and stuff. And like, knowing, you know that I love you. I know you love me. But like... I think that's why we didn't uh, hang out that often. Because I think we were both kind of in that way. Like, mm -hmm. I tend to, after, you know, 
we both work jobs where we're talking for a long time yep. in front of a microphone, trying to be on. Yep. And then sometimes when you get home, you just kind of want to sit at home. And like, I've, I've been sitting at home playing Titanfall when I haven't been putting this uh, you know, book together. So... Yeah, I, I feel like I didn't get out as much as maybe I should have sure. while I lived here. But, uh, you know, it's still fun the, the, the few times we've been able to do stuff like this. Seeing Kind of Funny Live was an incredible thing to see what you guys put together. Uh, that was I apologize. Uh, no, that was, <laughs> that was bonkers and really, really impressive what you guys pulled off there. The studio is incredible. So, uh, yeah, no, everything uh, we've done together I've really enjoyed. So. Well, you're welcome back anytime you come through San Francisco, maybe for GDC. Thank you so much, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Oh, you're taking it too far. Oh, God damn it. It's like I'm jerking off your hand, which is jerking off your dick. So am I jerking you off, or is your hand jerking you off, and I'm jerking off your hand? Do you see what I'm saying? Hey, talk to the mic when you talk. Yeah, man. <laughs>